to my loyal, loyal Crycast listeners. First off, to my sponsors. I'm sorry I didn't record your stuff last episode. I was just really tired when I recorded. And I didn't, you know, I didn't want to go back and edit it in. So that's my fault. And to all my loyal Crycast listeners, I'm sorry I've sucked with my schedule lately. Had a few cancellations. Had a few this and that. You know, it's nobody's fault. It just is what it is. But now, I'm back, baby. Craigcast is brought to you by New Roast. New Roast makes coffee shop quality coffee and whole food coffee creamers enhanced with the ancient superfood mushrooms. Yes, mushrooms. For better focus, energy, and well-being. Each mushroom in New Roast organic mushroom blend has a unique health benefit, like lion's mane for focus, cordyceps for longer-lasting energy, and chaga for antioxidants and skin health. The best part, you won't taste the mushrooms at all. Just a bold cup of coffee with notes of chocolate and cinnamon. Try mushroom coffee today and get 20% off your order at newroast.com with code CRAIGCAST, all capitals, one, let, one word, <laughs> at checkout. New Roast offers a 100% money back guarantee if you aren't totally satisfied. This podcast is also brought to you by Rondack Chairs and Furniture. Handcrafted with you in mind. If you're sick of buying those junky plastic chairs, you know what I'm talking about. Outside of every drugstore, you'll probably, over your lifetime, if you just keep buying those, you'll probably have to buy a new one, I don't know, once every three to five years, depending on how heavy your guests are. But, 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 consider this. A folding Rondack chair made of cedar with a beautiful glossy finish. Or maybe it's time to consider a custom piece of furniture made specifically for you. If you'd like to see some of Rondack's work, check them out on Facebook at Rondack Chairs and Furniture or on Instagram at Mr. Underscore Rondack. We want something. We want to make you something you love forever. Hashtag gotta get a Rondack. And I'm super excited because I, uh, you know, I got the in. There's going to be a custom uh, piece of furniture by Rondack coming out pretty soon with a pretty, pretty badass local business person. So you don't know if it's a guy or a girl. And uh, yeah, I'm excited to see that custom. This podcast is also brought to you by No Tax. Now, No Tax, whether you're just a human who has to file taxes, whether you are a self-employed person, or you know you maybe you have a really complicated financial picture, maybe you're one of those you know boss bitches who runs her own online huh, healthcare company, maybe you're a unique presenter. Or maybe you just need a little help with your payroll or anything business-related and numbers-related. I guarantee you, NoTax has a solution for you. They offer a multitude of QuickBooks projects. They offer, you know, anything you need. They're geniuses, the people who run that. And I use QuickBooks Self-Employed. I go to Tractor Supply Co. I buy a bunch of cool farming stuff. And then I just snap a picture of the receipt. It uploads, tells me how much it is, enters everything. It's awesome. So, they are on the web at plattsburghtax.com or K-N-O-W-Tax on the Instagrams and Facebooks. Now, this week, I got a fucking badass on the podcast. This is one of the first guests that I haven't stole from another podcast, so other podcasts, feel free to steal him. This is Mr. Uh, Zach Hoyt. He is the co-owner of Sparkle Clean. He is a member of Backcountry Hunters and Anglers. 
And he's also a board member of the Adirondack Young Professionals. Zach, thank you for coming, brother. Thanks for having me. So how are you doing on this beautiful day? Doing well. Nice. I get to take the day off instead of go to work. <laughs> I wish. I wish we could. We had that luxury. Maybe if I get a ton of sponsors one day on Craigcast, I could just cast all the time. But I don't know. Mortgages are pretty fun. Like, I, that's a lie. My my involvement in the community that gets to turn into mortgages is pretty fun. So I get to, you know, go to business after hours, do do some fun golf tournaments every now and then. I honestly don't mind sales calls. Like, I like calling and talking to people. So, like, the human interaction part of mortgages is pretty sweet. So I'll, I'll keep doing that. But even though I barely do paperwork, I just hate paperwork. You're definitely everywhere in the community, that's for sure. Dude, I try to be. I'm creeping, bro. <laughs> hey. I gotta hire some body doubles. Yeah, I know, right? <laughs> I think you're doing all right by yourself. It's tough. Sarah doesn't love it when I come home late, but gotta gotta pay the bills, baby. Oh yeah. She works the farm though, so she has a good excuse. She gets it done. So how is uh how is how is co-owning a wis- a business with your wife? Is that tell me some of the good, some of the bad. So there's a lot of good. Don't worry, Katie won't listen, bro. You can you can talk her about. It. Uh, I know. So <laughs> shout out to Katie. Shout out to Katie for sure. But yeah, she's uh, she's good to work with, you know. Um, honestly, like if you marry your best friend, it's really not all that hard. Oh, but, uh, he knows she's listening. What a guy! No, on, on a serious <laughs> note, like if if we didn't have the bond that we have, it'd be really hard to do the job we do together. Yeah. Just because we work together so much, but um, we divide it up pretty good. She still tells me where I'm supposed to be and what time I'm supposed to be That's there. That's amazing. I wish Sarah told me that. <laughs> I wish Travis or Julie told me that. I just sort of. You know, I try to be here by 9. Yeah, it might be 9.45. You know, it's tough out there. We stay within our own lanes, I guess. Dude, that's the best. A lot. Separation of, like, powers and, like, yeah. this is your job. Just do it. It's we discussed just... important things together. But uh, she kind of stays on the, uh, she does a lot of the invoicing, a lot of the books. She lets me do a lot of the technical and uh, certification style stuff, like training for the, you know, cleaning practices. Yeah. Setting up policy and procedure to make sure that it's repeatable. Mm-hmm. Kind of thing. But. Well, before before we get there, take me back to the beginning. Where are you, where are you from originally? I was born in uh, Middletown, uh, Horton Hospital, October twenty first, nineteen eighty eight. Bro, don't be giving your don't be giving that stuff out, bro. They That's got your right. birthday and your and your. I was gonna say your social, your birthday and your name, bro. That's all right, dude. I, I know a lot of Russian hackers listen to this shit. That's all right. You better watch out. I used to work for the federal government. It's been hacked already. Yeah, true. <laughs> I wonder. I always wonder if my info is like out there on the dark web and they're just like waiting to use it they gave us it was like a it was a insurance hack that i was uh, i got a letter um it was for our health care and they gave us identity lock for i think it five years seven years so yeah that free of charge so i'll be all right you'll be fine i'll be all right so middle how long were you in middletown i wasn't there long um we moved up here when i was probably three i believe to plattsburgh um my mother and father met when my dad was working at Plattsburgh Air Force Base. A little closer, boss. And uh, that was it. Um, we ended up back downstate for a little while. Um, but uh, pretty much grew up up here. You know, other than in the summers, I'd go down to Middletown, New York, and hang out down there. You go out of the Adirondacks for the summer, man? That's crazy. Sometimes. My dad used to, uh, he was a firearms instructor at West Point for a short period of time. Ah, so that's badass. Wait, so he was in the military then? He was, yeah. He was in Plattsburgh Air Force Base. And then he went uh, and got a job. Wait, West Point is Air Force? I thought West Point was Army. It's Army. So after he got out of the Air Force and the base closed, he went and uh, got a state job at that time. 
and uh, then he got in the Army Reserves, and that ended up being what he used to do. So he used to go down there and do that. It was a cool job. Dude, West Point is sweet. It's a cool place. I went to hockey camp there. Woodbury Commons, too? Yeah. My aunt used to bring me there, and my dad was at work. Dude. Shop with me? Bro. I used to come home with some awesome The outlets, stuff. bro. The outlets of the commons, man. Yeah. You swag up cheap there. It was cool seeing, like, all the stuff on the base, too, as a kid. West Point is badass, dude. We went, I had hockey camp there, so we got to, like, use, like, the legit locker room. You did? Skate on the rink and, like, do whatever during it uh, at, at West Point Hockey Camp. So it was, uh, there was hockey camp, there was tennis camp, there was baseball camp, and everyone was there together, and we stayed in dorms. Everyone was, like, on their own floors and stuff, but uh, we always had a fire drill. So me and all, you know, a lot of bros play hockey. Yeah. Like, yo, guys, this is going to be awesome. Let's just, like, wear our underwear outside during the fire drill. Like, that would be sweet. And, like, we weren't, I wasn't 16. Like, I had to be, like, like 12 or 13. Like, I don't even think puberty hit yet. And everybody's like, yeah, we're going to do it. Because, like, once you're in your room, like, it's sort of, like, locked down. But you could, oh, they run that side like military too? No, not like that, but like, there's like, like I don't think you're supposed to, but basically we're like, yeah, 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 we'll do it, bro, don't worry. <laughs> Guess who was the only person to walk out in their underwear during the fire drill? Matt Craig? <laughs> Matt Craig, baby. That's my, that's my good West Point story. That's awesome, man. But no, it was uh, definitely interesting, you know. We uh, ended up moving up here when I was young. I attended uh, Danamore Elementary School and then uh, on to Saranac, Saranac High School. So you grew up in Saranac and not Plattsburgh. Yeah, I didn't grow up in Plattsburgh. I grew up in, uh, actually, I lived in Dannemora. But uh, after sixth grade, we used to go to Saranac Central. So there used to be a high school in Dannemora, but that was long gone. That must be way in the day. Yeah. It's actually the gym. Oh, there's a hand on me. We'll keep it going. There was a there was a gym in Dannemora called Hometown Fitness. Probably some COs of that shit. Probably. But uh, there, that, that was the high school at one time. So what was it like growing up there? Like, what did you, what did you used to do for fun? What was your... So back then, it was a really uh, tight-knit community. Everybody was, like, correction officers, correction officers, families, essentially. Um, you know, our parents would do the two-hour check-in on the telephone. We'd take off on our bikes, go to the park, play basketball. They had a youth commission, so the older kids that were, like, seniors in high school would be working the park. And then just mom wanted a phone call every two hours. Give us kind of freedom a little bit as we got older, you know. Yeah. But uh, it was cool. We used to all be involved in town sports, you know. When did when did like hunting, fishing, that sort of stuff come into your life? So that happened when I was young. Um, camp was a thing in my family. So uh, even though my dad's from the southern part of the state, uh, he did hunt up here, you know, with my mom's family and stuff. So and your mom's from up here and your dad's from downstate. Yeah, dad's right. from downstate in Orange County, and my mom's from. She's a local from Plattsburgh. Dude, that's like me. Me and Sarah yeah. are like that. So my, my mom's mother's side of the family is actually from over the border. And uh, from Quebec. And then... Quebec? Yeah. <laughs> my uh, my mom's father is all from Los Sable. Nice. Yeah, my grandfather. Yeah. All Murphys. Bunch of Murphys. Bunch of Murphys. The whole, whole bunch I guess of there's them. some bad Craigs down near me. Like, I always have to say I'm not related. Like I'm Not like related. Matt Craig, <laughs> I'm like not related to any of them. Because I've gotten some looks... And I assume that means that there's like just like by saying your name, yeah, just like oh Matt Craig, but I'm not related to any Craigs up here, just to clear the slate because you know I don't know it's whatever, those, whatever those Craigs did, man, fucking get me bad looks at the brewing company. Oh really, really? That's all right. Some of them are probably dope. If you're a, if you're a fellow Craig listening to this, like, I got love for you, but talk to your cousin, man. Tell him to stop doing that shit. <laughs> <laughs> so what was it? What what was your first memory 
like mm-hmm. hunting or fishing or like what really what do you start with uh we're gonna go deep into this so bro. i honestly think uh i probably started fishing first yeah you know as a young kid um my mom and dad would bring us to you know close to home camping you know like off sable point mm-hmm. stuff like that and we'd tent it for like a weekend with my cousins you know and my close friends yeah. you know uh had a uh friend's dad was a scuba diver for New York State Police. So that was always cool because he'd always have like all the snorkeling equipment and stuff and we'd be swimming. And his kid is also big into, into fishing. His name's Sean, Sean Scullin. And, uh, you know, it was a great time growing up. So I, I think I definitely fished first. But uh, I didn't start hunting until I was probably 12. And then I still couldn't big game hunt within the state of New York. But I, you know, I was, I was there with him. Yeah. You know, I got to see the camp environment, which was cool because, you know, get all together and everybody has breakfast campfire is great man and uh, I wish I was part of my family growing up just like camaraderie and we actually had a physical camp mm-hmm. um, where did you camp? camp is um, actually on the Sentinel Mountain off of the uh, Springfield Road yep in Wilmington nice it's a really nice area oh so you're down near me then camp yeah it's like straight up and down in there yeah but it's a nice area nice my uh, my first exposure to deer hunting was uh, via drives which is popular in this area you know really thick country and Everybody wears, you know, blaze orange vests and hats and just walk through a really thick piece of property and hope a nice buck comes out of there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, that's how it was done. Do you remember your first, what was your first big game, or what was your first, uh, your first firearm uh, harvest? I think it's probably a squirrel, honestly. Mine was a quail, or no, a partridge, not a quail. No, a grouse, I don't know. Yeah, partridge. I mean, yeah. yeah, is a partridge and a grouse the same thing? No, grouse are different, right? There's a couple different kinds well, of grouse. Well, because there's ringneck partridge. There's a couple different ones, yeah. Yeah. There's spruce grouse. Mm-hmm. And then, yeah, but I, I think uh, a lot of people refer to, you know, partridge and grouse being the same. But yeah. Oh, just, no, it's ringneck pheasant. Ringneck pheasant. Not partridge. But they taste amazing. Oh, yeah. Yeah. They stock them up here. I know. I thought about... It's down, down where you're from, right? The bobwhite quail? Mm-hmm. They're not up here like that. Well, there's... Um, I actually thought about, like, you could have the DEC stock your land, but you have to let people hunt it then. Yeah. So, so you have uh, to have special permits to raise game birds and everything. Yeah. I thought it about getting... complicated. Get, well, I thought about just doing it on the down low. Yeah. Not that I would ever do this DEC, but that would be <laughs> awesome just to have, like, stock stock grouse or something where, like, you, oh, just yeah. have, you just go out back. I used to see a lot of grouse, but I don't see a lot anymore. There's a lot in Ellenburg where I used to hunt. Uh, yeah. I'm big at... Uh, I got... You're kind of away from... I mean, I still participated in, like, the drives and stuff at my camp, but... As I got older, I wanted to venture on the public lands, and the deeper I went, the cooler it got. For the some wild reason. was calling your name. I don't know, you know, and uh, I had an uncle that liked to hunt that way. I'm scared because I have a really bad sense of direction. GPS and a compass set your bearing before you leave the truck. I know. You'll come out. Yeah. <laughs> You'll hit that road eventually. But, uh, yeah, it's a, it's a good time. It's, it's so weird. Give me, you... give me some stories from, from the backcountry. A lot of them. I spent a lot of time back there, but uh, probably the most recent, um, I'd go into the Ellenberg, right off of the Smith Road there. There's a large tract of state land that opened up, and uh, you know, you go in there and hunt deer after the snow, you know, fresh snow. Mm-hmm. Just uh, follow them and find out where they're pocketed, because they get pocketed up on like, the beaches. And just still hunt through there and just hope that uh, you're quiet enough to actually get up on them, make sure the wind direction's right. A lot of things have to align. Yeah. To walk up on the deer in the Adirondacks, you don't just walk up to them. It doesn't happen like that. Because I pretty much, I own pretty much only stand hunt because my old 
the old camp I was part of, everyone stand hunted. Yeah. And then my land, it's only 14 acres, but it's very skinny. Like, it's not... I mean, Definitely smart on a small, small part. Yeah, I mean, it's not super yeah. skinny. It's probably... I forget what the dimensions are. I don't know, 500 feet? Yeah. Something like that. So you want to stay... Yeah, like, I can see still. both parts. Like, yeah. I can... Both sides. Like, there's parts where you can't see both boundaries, but there's a few parts where you can. So I just try and get in into a nice spot. We got some mature oak trees back there, and I missed a six-point... No, that now that was two years ago, and that was my only ever shot at a deer. Really? Because I didn't start until I was 20 out of college. Okay. I don't think I ever shot a gun. I hunt, I fished when I was little, but like nothing serious. Like on vacation, we would just catch whatever. Right. Yeah, so like I'm not super successful either. You know, I just really enjoy doing it. You know, you have some guys out there that, you know, they have the opportunity to hunt some really good property. Um, some people don't play by the rules. That happens a lot too, but it, even then, it doesn't. I mean, you know, some people are, you know, blessed to be in the right place at the right time. It's part yeah. of it, honestly, but, you know. Last year, I was uh, happy enough to harvest. I took the first buck with a bow, which was pretty awesome. That is awesome. You know, and I I seen him like four times before that, and I progressively made different decisions to put myself in that situation that day. Yeah. I knew I needed a, a wind out of the north, and then I was there, and he happened to do the He's same there? thing he'd done three other times, but I was in the wrong spot. Yeah. So... It was kind of cool to see it come together. I knew my night. I I thought that day I was going to see a deer because it was uh, there was no moon at all, and yeah. the does were just coming in like crazy. And I was like, "This is it, bud. This is it." Yeah, like, he's going to have the day. This year, I honestly didn't. I didn't sit enough. Like I really only sat. Like we were super busy with the house and wanted to make sure everything was good. Right. So I just didn't. It's just time. It's just a time thing. Like it's a big time commitment, but it's nice to. That's the most organic. GMO free meat that you can get, and it's great for the deer population because you know, as long as you're not shooting the spike horn, it already passed on its genes, yeah. it did its thing, and now you're giving a true young buck a chance to uh, talk to the ladies up, at, uh, yeah. up in Ellenburg. <laughs> I know exactly, yeah, and that, that's another reason I do it too is that I definitely hunt to eat. So, um, I know a lot of people don't like that, but a lot of people are stupid, a lot of people don't, <laughs> they just don't see the uh, conservation side of it, like it's going to happen inevitably, you know. I'd much rather see a deer just harvest it properly than yeah, harvest it properly. I'm sure, I'm sure it hurts, but I'm sure it's not horrible. They're probably just a little confused, and then just slowly, because it's like you know when you're a kid and you uh, like you fell and you didn't see blood, you think you were fine, but then you could be bleeding profusely, but you yeah. don't see it. Yeah, I'm sure a deer. I mean, it's going through hot, double lung. They're just yeah. gonna be like, yeah. I'm sure so it hurts, but just like um, just a couple of ones I've harvested, it just lights out, you know. And it, that's the other thing too is. You see a lot of people that are just not, uh, they're out there hunting and they don't understand the effective, uh, effective game harvesting. You know, I research it extensively. You know, you find out where the uh, atomic plexus intersection is, right on the shoulder. It's a nerve. And if you hit that, it lights out immediately. Where is it on the, like on the bone? It, it's the, the next shoulder joint. And it's through the intersection. So it's, if you do aim for that high shoulder shot you hear people talk about, yeah. it's, it's instant. If you hit that, you know, rifle, I'm talking. Yeah. Um, it's hard to penetrate that area with an arrow. Yeah, because with a bow, if you just hit him in the shoulder. You want to play it safe with the bow, yeah. for sure. Double lung, yeah, that's as clean as it gets with that. But, yeah, it's uh, twice that's happened to me with a rifle. They both instant down. Yeah. What, what caliber do you use? Very small calibers, actually. Um, prefer 243. That's my first deer rifle I ever had. I was uh, 14 when it was purchased for me. Nice. And a little sentimental there, but I have... Uh, Went to a 6.5 Creedmoor as well. They're pretty popular right now. Mm -hmm. 
I tried to jump on the bandwagon. Kind of I just late, use a 30-06. had one of those, too. They, uh, yeah. That's my whole family uses. I'm almost thinking about going to 270, but in my stand, I'd like it if a bear came by. Like, I know you can drop a bear with a 270. You can kill a bear with a 22. Oh, yeah. People, uh, there's a, it's like a true story. An Alaskan killed a massive grizzly bear with a, just a single 22 shot. Really? Yeah. Like, it's not like an instant death, but if you hit them in the right spot, they'll bleed out. Oh, absolutely. You know, and that's the other thing is shot placement and... There's that. Bears aren't as tough as people think sometimes. But, mm-hmm. yeah, that, having that thirty caliber is definitely probably not a bad idea. <laughs> I might get a two seventy though. I just, like, I was, like, my first gun. Well, I had a shotgun before that, but I'm, like, my first rifle. I'd rather just get one and get very proficient with it than have, like, oh, well, what if I see a bear? Or what, you know? Yeah. So I, I still hunt with my, uh, this year I intend to hunt with my grandfather's. Um, he's got a Winchester uh, 32 special. It's not very popular anymore. But it was purchased in '51. Probably he I carried it for years too, too, right? I don't know that the man ever harvested a deer with it. Really? To be honest, yeah. So um, he didn't have guns in the house for a long time. My grandmother didn't like them, but he still went to camp. And his his brother had actually etched his name in the grip of it when he was drafted to Korea. And when my grandfather came home, he had to sand it out. And, uh, <laughs> he refurnished, you know, he refinished it properly and everything. And what did he etch your grandpa's name or his own name? His own name, and my grandfather's gun. Oh, it was his brother, yeah. <laughs> It's kind of interesting. Oh, that's awesome. But yeah, it's kind of cool seeing something that's from 1951 and is still uh, capable of it's doing still a shot. great, man. Yeah. I feel like everything used to be made so much better. It was made in the USA. Yeah. <laughs> you can't beat it, baby. No. Is Remington still made in the USA? Remington is. They have a plant. They still have a plant in Ileon, but they shifted their headquarters. Yeah. Down to the Freedom Group, I believe it's called now. Where's Freedom it? Outdoors Group. Uh-huh. It's down south. I want to see. I don't know if it's Georgia or Alabama can't remember. Somewhere in the dirty south. Somewhere in the south, for sure. But yeah, that's a Winchester, the one that he has. Yeah, it's way back. Everybody talks about the pre-64 Winchesters, you know. Everything was hand-fitted. This one guy stayed right with that gun until it kind of shifted, was my understanding. Yeah, so it was a true craftsman who, like, made it perfectly. Not a lot of machines involved. I wonder, hmm, I always wonder, like, if machines are better at some stuff, and then some stuff it's better to have a true craftsman. Like, I'm, like, I wonder if the two, like, I'm sure two would shoot a little bit different if it was handmade. Maybe not, though. I feel like people used to be a lot better with their hands and, like, probably better craftsmen because that was the only option. Yeah, so, you know, one of my bad personality traits is being uh, over-analytical with things, right? Um, after, you know, a little bit of research, I found that, you know, yeah, the older, you know, metalwork and wood and metal fit on the firearms is definitely nicer. Statistics show that the new ones shoot better. So, if you want to weigh that out. Yeah, I can see that. But there's still a lot of, a lot of high price points if you want. Oh, you can buy whatever you want. They'll yeah, but I mean they're they're pulling in big money for those pre sixty fours. They people want them. Oh, I bet. Even if they don't shoot. Well, it's well. even nostalgic too because it's yeah, like it's history, piece of history. Yeah. yeah. You know, I feel like guns are honestly a good investment. I feel like they hold their value relatively well. Some people get really big into collecting them. I'm I'm kind of a minimalist. Like, I move them. I don't need them. Yeah. And I just have what I need. Yeah, I just have. I have a twelve gauge turkey gun, so it's a. Three or uh, 870, what do they call the model? The Supermax, so I can fit a three and a half in it. Yeah. And then a, what can I think of the name? What's the cheaper but nice shotgun manu- or gun manufacturer? Mossberg. Yep. Uh, Mossberg. I bought Sarah a Mossberg 410, and then I have an old Mossberg for my dad, but its ejector is a little messed up, so I never really shot it. I gotcha. Yeah. And then the 30-odd 6. And a Ruger GP. Three Hunter twenty two pistol. Nice. Yeah. I want to get another pistol. I want to start getting... I want to get an everyday carry, honestly, because 
I have my Essex County permit, so I can everyday carry. Yeah, you're not restricted. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. I think that's kind of beneficial. You know, Essex and Franklin County don't restrict. Clinton County does. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. I actually have a restriction on mine. Um, it's all articulation, to be honest. Um, it's just somebody covering. It's The judge wants to cover his rear end. It's yeah. It is. But there's classes you can go through now, and uh, this judge is pretty understanding. From what I've been told, if you have your permit for over two years and show good ownership skills and show that you've had some instruction, he'll, uh, he'll remove it if you, you know, write him a call Get rid of that one, two, three. Yeah, get rid of the, two, get rid of the three. Two and from the range. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, I, I do, uh, I have a nine millimeter I carry when I'm hiking and stuff. Nice. But that's about it. I've had, uh, several, several others, but lately I've been really big into archery. You know, that's kind of been a big thing. It's, it's relatively new for me. I started that and 2010, I think, 2012. Bro, it's like a decade ago. I know. 2019, man. Yeah, but I mean, it takes a long time to get good at it. That's why I'm scared to do archery. I'm like, ah. Like, like I want to, but it, it's not like you can't just do archery. Like, you have to dedicate time probably every day and learn a new skill, or at least once a week. So in the beginning, I shot almost every day. It, just just a couple arrows. So yeah. if you shoot too much, it's a bad thing, you know? But then you start forming, like, target panic and stuff. But I did start, you know, just doing it all the time. And then it, it gets fun because you're... Arrows are reusable, right? As long as you don't launch them into the trees. Yeah. But yeah, I mean that's it's fun. What's the what's the farthest that you feel comfortable? Not not harvesting an animal, but a target shot. So lately, I've been trying to do that because a lot of people, uh, you know, they advocate to shoot far away, and then everything up close gets easier. So I've been uh, at my house. I have the liberty to large sand pit, so I've been shooting at eighty, and I have more dial on my side. I use a adjustable floater pin on the bottom, mm -hmm. and. Uh, Montana blindfold site, and I've uh, been right about 80 is where I'm getting consistent hits on a shooter buck. You know, 80 feet or yards. 80 yards, yeah. That's what I thought. Yeah, so that's Damn, a ways. That takes a ways, to get there. Bud. It is, but I mean, it's pretty. It's small probably like back there. One, two, three. Then it's, pass, it's probably yeah, like a, you can hear it hit and the yeah. sound come back. Yeah, it's slower. Wow. I would never shoot an animal that far. Not yet. But they have large animal like elk. Yeah. Guys out west shoot them 60, 65 yards sometimes. I wonder, I've seen some crazy shots just on, like, coyotes, but with rifles, but, like, yeah, like stupid far away. Oh, yeah. People shoot a long ways. I shoot my, that 6.5 that I have. I uh, break clay pigeons at, like, 3 on a regular, and it's every shot. You could get right behind it and do it. It's because the gun weighs 12 pounds and it has a scope that allows you to see well at that distance. Is that from a rest, or? Yeah, it's just laying down on a bipod. Just lay down? Yeah, nice. just lay down right behind it. And uh, you could, anybody can comfortably shoot that. You know, first-time shooter could get right behind it and not. Not be afraid of it at all. Yeah. Just because of the weight of it. Huh. What powder loads in that? Uh, what is that right now? I'm shooting a 129. 129, yeah. 129 grain hand load. I hand load, that's another thing I do. Really? Yeah. Dude, I knew that's that. Uh, I knew you were interesting, man. I like to do it, not because it saves money, but because each gun is like, you know, you buy an off the shelf box of ammo and sometimes they don't shoot well. Or, and you can buy, you know, what, $20 a box, 15 boxes until you get the one that shoots right that you want, you know, you want all those holes as close together as possible, yeah. essentially, but, you know, that's why I do that, you have all these gauges and things that tell you right where the gun's probably going to like it, and that's where you load it. How hard is it, like, how much time does it take for one bullet, like, what's your, um, the way I load, a lot of people won't load the way I load, um, I'm super meticulous with it, because it's a safety issue, but, uh, a little bit closer, yeah, it's probably, I would say to load 20 rounds, it probably takes me about an hour. 
you know, but I sit back there and I relax. I turn yeah, the radio nice on. I never load up there. I've had any, uh, any beer or anything like that. I just go back there and relax. I actually have my daughter involved a little bit. Nice. If she's in a calm yeah. four-year-old state, you know, I'll allow her to pull on the lever, you know, and, and seat the bullets and stuff. And you measure them all when they're done anyway, so. But yeah, it's, it's a good time. Save some money. But uh, it's not the reason I do it. I do it for accuracy, of course. But. Yeah, it's probably just relaxing. Like yeah, I feel it's like just manual, manual tasks when you're doing stuff with your hands are like so much more relaxing. Or if you're trying to, if you're stressed out of a day of work and like trying to shut your brain off to watch TV, yeah. like you're just going to keep thinking. But if you do something and yeah. make something. I think it's just one of my personality traits too because I do the same thing. Um, I had a gentleman I know quite well. He kind of took me under his wing for archery. And I've done the same with that. I started shooting and he would do my arrows. And then I slowly integrated. Now I build my own arrows. So I buy the shafts, and then I don't have access to the heads tool to cut that oh. uh, cut the carbon fiber. So you need a special cutoff tool for that. So I either have the bow shop do it, or some one of our other buddies has a saw. And after he cuts it, then I glue the inserts in, and I fletch it, put the knock in, and uh, that way you can shift your you know your weight front of center. And you can you can kind of hand tune it if you mm-hmm. will. To make it do certain things better. That makes sense. So yeah, well, you figure out how you're You know, it's not part of it. You're not just off the shelf buying. It, it's all, all your work. I'll probably be off the shelf. I don't know. I'm trying to get less, less stuff to do. Yeah, you're a busy man. You are too, man. Yeah. It ain't easy running a business. No, it's not. But juggle. That's what I mean. You juggle. You gotta juggle it. You get thick in one spot. You get thin somewhere else. You gotta, you know, you gotta morph back and forth. It's tough, man. Or just wake up early. Just hit it. Just do it all. Sometimes I do that. I haven't been a morning person at all. Well, my nature works done in the evening for the most part, but I've been waking up early trying to get stuff done. I love when I wake up early. I've been in the funk like probably like a week and a half or two weeks. I've been sick, so I've just been like piece of shit, showing for work like 30 minutes late, just feeling like crap every day. But yeah. Then this weekend I got super sick, but now I'm hoping I'm out of it and like won't feel tired all the time because it's, it's amazing how quickly like once you start feeling like crap a little, oh, like... Yeah. All goes downhill. Head cold and stuff. I'm sure my listeners, the listeners will hear uh, hear how beautiful my voice sounds now. Oh, yeah. Gets you for sure. But no, we, uh, another thing I've, I've noticed that kind of helps me is, uh, you know, with juggling everything, I, I work out every day. It's not a lot. I don't lift heavy weights. I used to. It's nothing I'm into anymore. I just do body weight. And I just, you know, I do that every day or I go for a two-mile walk with a pack on. Just clear your head. Leave work behind. I gotta start working out again. Just do it. I'm too fat. I know. There's no excuse. I hate uh, excuses more than anything. Why? <laughs> I hate excuses. Well, it's just nobody like. Oh, I want to work out. Like, no, you just gotta. It's just you. Just work out. Like, it's not. I almost have, like, have conversations with myself on the podcast. I'm like, this week I'm gonna fucking work out. Like, yeah. my last guest, he gave me a uh, Adam Flurry shout out. Shout out to uh, Ludus Combat Sports. He gave me a steel mace. You ever seen one of those? No. It's like uh, he does like steel mace flows. Okay. It's like. Uh, Steel bar with a cannonball on the end, basically. Yeah, yeah. Like the, yeah, and you use that to work out. and That's awesome. We did it for like 10 minutes here after. Like, you showed me like two moves, and I was wrecked. Wrecked, right? Because I don't think, I honestly don't think lifting heavy weights is the best for you, like long term. No, I got really strong at one point in my life. And uh, there's people that are way stronger, of course. You know, there's always somebody better. But uh, I got strong for me. And I was like, hey, you know, that's really cool. And then the joints started to, the joints suffer, I think. Yeah. And then. The other thing with too much reps, too, I think, because I got to this point where, oh, I've been doing calisthenics for a long time, and now I can do, just because you can do 25 pull-ups with a 
you know, pour it from the best on doesn't make it a good idea to do every day. Yeah. I'm starting, like, alternative methods. You know, I even, it sounds funny, but I may even try, you know, something as simple as yoga occasionally. Just, Dude, yoga's the best. I've never tried it. Never tried it? Never tried it. Other than the P90X video, and that was a popular thing to do. But, you know, something I'm interested in trying. Dude, just, just Google, I love, like, Google 15-minute beginner yoga. Or YouTube. Well, it uses different muscles. It's like those stability muscles and balance. Well, you just feel great after. Like, my mom and my sister are yoga teachers. Oh, really? Yeah, and, like, whenever I'm jacked up, like, I love going home because I'll just be like, all right, like, make me feel better. And I'll just, like, make me do yoga for, like, three hours or four hours and, like, hold positions and stuff. Like, not, like, doing flows the whole time, but just, like, oh, like, this part of your back hurts. Like, hold this for a little while. And, like, you'll feel your back, like, snap back into place. It's freaking amazing. I've never actually... That was the worst part of P90X for me, I'll be honest, is yoga, because it was hard, it was awkward for me. I'm okay with the push-ups. And the, yeah, like you feel great. You don't feel the pain and everything, you know, I was okay with that. Where I lack uh, motivation, I always had the dedication to push myself through something, I guess. But, uh, yeah, I've never, yoga scared me a little. I'm going to try it, though. So we'll go, we'll, we'll bring it back. So you are, what'd you do, what, what was your feeling, you graduated high school, what were you thinking then? After high school, um... Let's see here what I do. Went to work pretty much immediately. Um, started out, you know, some off, you know, just construction, like local jobs, stuff like that. Worked in a couple of local factories, and I exposed myself to that. Um, about the same time, um, earlier than that, I should say, I became an explorer in the local fire department. And uh, my father was in the fire department as well. And uh, became an EMT at 18 years old. And I uh, intended on doing it for some work. And I worked some per diem locations as an EMT basic. Um, but at the same time, it's, it didn't didn't demand the wage I was looking for. Yeah. So there was there was ways to make more money. But I enjoyed the feeling of, you know, feeling needed or, you know, public service kind of thing. You know, fill in the void. You know, 3 a.m., you get a call. Somebody needs help and there's nobody else going to do it. So, you know, you get up and do it. Yeah. yeah. You get up and do it. But, uh. That was cool to see that, and then went down that road. That ended up taking me down a long road where I, I stayed with the fire department for a long time, got some fire certifications and um, technical rescue, got involved with that, Saranac, and had a great time with a lot of great people. Um, actually, I applied to several federal fire departments on a military basis, a lot of them contracted employees, mm -hmm. and did that for a while. Um, I never, uh, never you know, landed a job because you had to be 21 to take appointment. And I was 19 with all these certifications, and nobody would nobody would hire me because you had to be 21 yeah. to take appointment. But uh, shortly after that, I worked security for a while. Um, it was kind of funny. I worked security at a college for four years. I was a security company manager, essentially, at that time. And um, just in, in my zone. You know, I oversaw North Country Community College at Saranac Lake, mm -hmm. campus safety. And then I oversaw uh, Plattsburgh College Suites when that first opened. Mm -hmm. And a couple other job sites. I did the Lake Placid Horse Show, and I would staff that and bring guys up from Syracuse, you know, and work with uh, Morris Protective Service. It was, a, it was a cool exposure as well. I got, like a lot of life experience, but at the same time, if I would have just double dipped and done college at the same time, I could have killed two birds with one stone probably, thinking back. But I wasn't that dedicated at the time. Yeah. You know, but uh, it was a, it's definitely, definitely interesting. And then shortly after that, I ended up at the federal prison system. I uh, worked there for five years. Um, what was the federal prison system like? It was different. It was a different exposure. It was like, um, you know, I built myself up, you know, just taking like 
every available step of public service, and then it was just like a natural progression kind of for me. I was offered a TSA job at the same time I applied for it. One was way more pay than the other, so mm -hmm. I took the federal prison system. But I uh, walked in the door there, and I had a skill set that they were okay with already. <laughs> I did uh, CPR instruction um, pretty much right out of the right out the start. I think it was there six months I started doing that. You know, it was something I was already doing. So, and then I just became a guard and you know, I did, did the eight in the gate, as they say. Put your eight hours in, make sure nobody gets out, make sure nothing serious happens while you're on shift. And on to the next one? On to the next one. Anything serious ever happen when you're on shift? Yeah, there's, I mean, there's always fights. It's prison. You know, respect's high. You know, people don't realize it until you actually, you, if, you, if you've worked in the environment, you understand it. There's a lot of people locally that, that work in the environment, but... You know, respect is big. So, I mean, there's always, you know, fist fights or, you know, somebody will get caught up a little bit or... How would you gain inmates' respect? Like, how does that... It's mutual. But I think in my personal experience, they don't necessarily just, like... They don't respect the uniform. Now, how you wear your uniform is an indication of who you are underneath it, right? So, if you come in and you look like you jumped out of a duffel bag, essentially, and your stuff's all messed up and they can tell you don't care they may not respect you at all but if you've been there for 30 years and they know who you are underneath that uniform maybe they're not going to test you but when you first get out of the you know training if you will you, you carry yourself well you know you let them know you're not there to play any games you know either way you take care of your uniform carry yourself right they're not really gonna test you a whole lot but after after they see you carry yourself for a period of time they're there and there's 120, 130 of them watching you, every move you make. Yeah. And you're there to watch them. So they learn you way faster. Yeah, than you, you got 120 them. eyes on you, and you only got one set yeah. of eyes on them, so. And they're all coming up, they'll test you. You know, they'll come up, and they'll, they'll walk in your office, and that's just so somebody can move something from one side of the unit to the other. You see? They can walk in your office. Or what's with, it like? like so what do you mean loose. by office? So they're loose. Yeah. Okay. Um, in where I worked, it was a medium. So they're loose. So this would be your office. It'd be positioned. Your desk would be, you know, positioned so that... You can see directly coming in your door. And they walk up and they knock on your door. And you have to issue them your chemicals so that they clean. You have unit orderlies that you have to oversee. You know, some of them are responsible for the showers. Some are responsible for the floors. Um, there's an area called the flats in the unit where you, you know, you're, you're step up. And then you step down two steps and then there's cells. You know, and they can all get locked in at night. But they're all loose during the day with loose chairs. There's five TV sets around the unit. There's a quiet room for them to study. They have educational opportunities. There's a little gym in the back. Um, phones to the left of your office. You also are a mailman. I didn't know that until I started either. So you, the mail gets checked at another location on the way in, but you hand it out. And then every night at the end of your shift, you also have to read mail as it goes out. Every piece of mail you you look through and check for anybody running any or something or like yeah. hidden stuff. Hidden stuff. Did you ever find any like code or anything? Yeah, you you forward them up to the guys that specialize in it. If you can tell, it's it's touchy, but you never really can make heads or tails of it. A lot of times. Yeah, you're yeah. just like, oh, that writing seems a little bit weird. It's, it's off, like yeah. The big thing, too, is uh, stamps. Stamps is a form of currency in the prison system. Ah, yeah, because you can only They'll hide stuff in places that you wouldn't believe is even possible. You know? Where's the weirdest place you found something? Probably the bottom of a sneaker, re-glued back together. Um, I've seen them take off like a top of a soup can. You have it packed full of stuff, and you shook it. There's still liquid in it, but stuff was inside of a bag inside the liquid. Uh, like they get, they get pretty creative. You got a lot of free time. You get creative. Wall safes, 
and they fill it back in with toothpaste because it's cinder block walls. And you like find it with a hammer and it's like an entire wall safe full of stuff. I mean, I'm talking full of stuff. Full of like stamps for like a gambling, love gambling ring or might be drugs in there. You know, that was a, that was a thing for a little while. You know, they were trying to get in the uh, methadone in the back of the stamps. Ah, so they would. So would family members bring them stamps, or would they buy them at the store? Or no, no, it was, it was coming in on the mail. So as I was handing it to him, I was ah, handing it to him. So they put and a little under the, stamp, under the stamp. Under the stamp. Ah. Yeah. And then uh, K2 was real popular when I was there during my time there. Mm-hmm. I had actually, I knew right where it came from a couple times. You know, it was in the shape of a, a woman's bra. I used to work visiting quite a bit because I was a new guy, and uh, you know where it was hidden in the in the bathroom it was a visitor bathroom, and we buzz them in and out of there. And we go check it. And then buzz them in and out of there, and we go check it. It's part of our job. And then, you know, you could tell it was in the shape of a, of a cup. Yeah. Of a bra. And obviously, I'm a male, working, visiting. I can't pass search her. So, we do search them, but things, you know, kind of get in there. Because K2, that's fake weed, right? Yes, it's a, it's a fake uh, a synthetic, synthetic, synthetic marijuana, marijuana, as a, yes, uh, as a federal correction officer you, would say. It really messes you up compared to... Yeah, no, I think that stuff is horrible. Anything yeah, fake is bad. You can start acting all sorts of funny when you get on that or have some serious medical emergencies even yeah but yeah that's just uh but yeah working there is it's just it's like a city within a city if you will everybody has a we in hustle raybrook or was it yeah it worked at raybrook. Yeah, raybrook yeah but they have a hustle you know some guy was in the bathroom you know cleaning sneakers for soups because he didn't come from a lot he may have been had no outside support mm-hmm. so nobody's given him any money orders for his commissary account so he would clean sneakers in the, in the laundry room or you got a guy that has a unit store for if they don't have any money in commissary, but they want money gambling, they can go buy food. It's like you start to learn, like, there's a little city within a city. Then, you know, I guess you got to be nice to the merchants, or is there, like, is that, like, certain people who people don't mess with? Like, was there, like... There's big-timers. There's big-timers. Guys that have a lot of time. They're usually well-respected. There's guys that have short time. Going home soon, you know, three, four years. There's some of them on the street with now, you know, that were probably there when I was there. But it just all depends, you know. But the, uh... Typically, there's mutual respect. I mean, there is there's situations where there's, you know, officers are assaulted or they have disputes. But, you know, just like in the city, I mean, there's fights, too. Yeah. It's really the same. It's like you're just you're policing the inner community of that prison, more or less. But you just, uh, usually no excessive force is needed, usually, for the most part, where I was. It's just keeping everything afloat. You know what Make I mean? sure the city is everybody's nice and calm in the city. Yeah. Well, every every block is uh, is its own thing. So you just that was only my responsibility for the day was that block. Or so there was only one person on staff for a block of 120 people. Yeah. Sometimes if you're in, during the day, there was uh, you know there's another you know counselor with you or unit team or something like that. But yeah, you'd you'd be there with about 120 of them. If you're in the day watch, a lot of them went out to programming. So they worked either in the kitchen or they worked in the yard or. Somewhere. You may have 60 or 70 in there. Evening watch, towards the end of your shift, you'll have about that many in there because you're getting ready to go get locked in for the night. That's crazy. You're outnumbered by quite a bit. Yeah. <laughs> a lot more than quite a bit. Yeah. It's a, a factor of 100. Yeah. I mean, that was... Now I uh, only have to deal with my, my wife. She keeps me in line. No, now you got every customer as your boss now. Yeah. People don't realize that when you're self-employed. They're like, I'm going to be my own boss. No, every customer is your boss. That's how it works. To some degree, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. You get to make a lot of choices, like if you accept or deny the... You, you know, do get a lot more choices, but... 
Yeah. I like, yeah. I definitely like being my own boss. The federal system has a good retirement, TSP, stuff like that, but I'm vested. I can, I could always return if I wanted to, you know, I didn't leave any yeah, you left bad feelings note. on the table. I yeah. left on a good note, so I mean, I have freedom to go back. I can go to the border. I can go deliver mail. All that time still counts towards my retirement if I should ever decide to go that way. So take me, how'd you get, how'd you get involved in Sparkle Queens? That was originally your grandfather's business? So it was, yeah. So I really kept the name in honor of, of my grandfather. It's not the exact same business. Um, I got permission from my aunt to use the name, mm-hmm. essentially. the uh, They started in 80 or 81. So actually, I got to back up. I started wrong. My great-grandmother was an immigrant of the UK. She was a British citizen. Um, she came from North Ireland. And she immigrated here and met my grandfather. And uh, I don't know what her education level was. I know, you know, she, she lived in uh, Orange County, New York with my grandfather. And uh, he was, I think, a metal worker. And then he ended up working at Orange County Community College in uh, maintenance. Mm-hmm. He worked on all the boilers and all that stuff. He's a pretty intelligent guy. He used to work on cars at the house and everything. He's, he's really good with his hands, you know. And she started working for Clemson's, which they used to make hacksaw blades and all that stuff right in the city of Middletown. She started working in housekeeping. And she uh, worked there, and then there was a place called, at the time it was called Clemson's Park. And a lot of the Clemson's lived there. It's a big name in Middletown. And she started cleaning for them and their homes. And she got lung cancer. She had one lung removed. So my papa started going out there and keeping her factory afloat, if you will. She worked in the offices and in the factory. Mm-hmm. And then they understood what the house is and they were understanding and waited for her to get better. And my grandmother at the time, you know, was home with the kids. My father and his brother and the uh, my aunt, you know, when we were growing up. And they decided, uh, hey, he retired from the Ford plant in New Jersey when it closed. So she essentially launched the cleaning business and Clemson's was their first contract. So... It was kind of my great-grandmother that started it, but in mm-hmm. 80 or 81, the business became a contra- building service contractor-based business at that time. My great-grandmother worked for him directly, mm-hmm. but uh, that's where it started, essentially. And then, uh, I believe in 1983 or 84, they partnered up with another couple. 1983 or 18? 1983. Oh, I thought you said 1883. No. <laughs> I was like, damn, bro. Oldest cleaning company in the country. They partnered with another company to do uh, superior chemicals and... Uh, Paper product supply. Mm-hmm. They sold chemical and paper products for a long time too. Um, but yeah, they would do everything from the park and ride buses that go in and out of the city. That was a big source of revenue for the company for a long time. Um, Clemson's, obviously, they maintained contracts with them for a long time. They, they did a lot of banks, um, even the Mid Hudson Psych Center. Mm-hmm. The state contracts they used to do windows way up in the, in the lifts and stuff. Um, refinished floors, hardwood floors. You name it, they, they did it at one time, like carpet extraction, uh, water damage stuff. Everything. Everything. So my grandmother was kind of like the uh, the face of the business, if you will. Kind of like Katie. She <laughs> she likes, you know, she's in management, you know. We both make decisions together, but my grandfather was more of the... Yeah, get, go, tech, clean go, go clean it. Go clean it. Come on, Zach, go clean it. I got, I got, yeah, yeah. I, got a, I got a business to run. Get out of Katie, my hair. Katie still very much cleans with us, but she uh, she's always out there. She's not the talker. My grandmother was a talker, so I kind of, I talk more. So how do you, how do you get involved in the business? Um, so I always saw him when we would go down and I was a kid, I got to, uh, 
you know, I used to go to the buses with my grandfather. He would take me with him. You know, my dad would go out and help when we were down there visiting, and that was my first exposure to it. And then I remember holding onto a buffer in a bank when I was young. My dad was actually at West Point. I went out with my uncle, you know, doing it then. Uh, there's, I have two Uncle Bobbies, my, my father's brother, and then my wife's husband, you know, ex-husband actually now. But uh, he would, uh, they all kind of took me under their wing, and I just got exposure from all of them. Mm -hmm. and one time they had several vans on the road. It was a larger company. You know, much larger than Kate and I are at this point. Yeah. But, uh, like I said, they were all over the place. They were doing, you know, buses every night, banks every night, doctor's offices. There was a lot going on. You got a lot of vans to get that done. Yeah, it was cool to see everything, though. Because, you know, they'd have stuff set up for, you know, carpet extraction. They'd have the floors set up. And who they used for chemical and paper product supplies. And, you know, it was, it was interesting to see everything come together. And then in, uh, when I started at the prison, I was like, didn't get any self-satisfaction. Because you, you go to work, you do eight hours, but do you see what you've done? Yeah. Like, you know, like, you get people into homes. There's a start, there's a finish line to every deal. Yeah. Like, the career never ends, but there's a finish line, whereas I assume that job, it's like, all right. Repeat your cycle. Mm-hmm. It's going to happen again tomorrow, maybe. Yeah. You know? And when you let them out, they have a pretty high chance of coming back sometimes, you know, as far as the reentry goes. Yeah. You know, you get them ready to leave. They have reentry programs to go back to society and do right things, but sometimes they come back. You know, but even if they don't, somebody else is coming in. So it's just like a revolving door almost, if you will. You don't see anything. Yeah. No gain there. You don't feel like you've done anything right. Yeah, it's not like you're never going to get a letter from a person like, oh, I did it. I, I as long as nobody gets out, you've done your job. Yeah. Essentially. You know, so I wanted to, you know, see something. So I started detailing automobiles, something I always had a passion for. I was a car guy, you know. And then uh, shortly after that, boats. And then in 2010, Kate and I were like, I start cleaning houses. And uh, my aunt and uncle were decided they weren't going to do it anymore. So I was like, uh, yeah. So I kind of talked to my aunt and said, is it okay if I use the business name? I'd be formally, you know, close everything. She said, yeah. And uh, actually on the 12th, I'm going down for my uh, cousin's wedding. Nice. And I'm going to go have a beer in Clemson's because it's a brewery now. Clemson's Brewery. In oh, really? Yeah, it's a brewery. So I want to go have a, you know, burger and a beer. That's awesome. And they haven't changed it. They've actually, like, um, if you will, they try to keep everything intact. So, like, a lot of the, you know, it still looks exactly the same as it did then. Mm -hmm. You know, I mean, it's, they want to keep up the history of the structure. They put a nice sign out there. But other than that, it looks almost the same. Huh. So what did Clemson's do? What kind of? They used to make hacksaw blades. Oh, they, yeah, they were the hacksaw. All right. Yeah, that's what they did there. And other blades, too. I believe lawnmowers. Yeah, a little bit of everything. Yeah, a lot of metal blades. That's stuff. smarter yeah. than to change that into brewery because it's probably already got. A lot I want to know if it's one of the family that owns it because it's Clemson Brothers. So I don't know if they're honoring the history of the Clemson Brothers or if they're still yeah, they one of the family down the line. Said, yeah, so it'd be huh. interesting to see that. Yeah, you got to read the right people, figure it out. Yeah, there's definitely going to be a T-shirt bought when I have. You have to have it. There's going to be a Clemson. That's where the business started. Yeah, yeah, that's true. So it's like, dude, it's, give me a T-shirt. Tell them, tell the business. It's the birth of our business essentially. So. I'm glad they're still open. Yeah, man, you that's know, awesome. It's cool. It's interesting. So, what do you think the best best sort of lesson you've learned running running this from going? You know, your paycheck is steady. You're out when you're out. You're in when you're in. It's pretty relatively straightforward. What has what sort of changes have been made since you've been self employed? A lot. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, I learned you only get what you put in. You know, 
there's no there's no skating. Mm-hmm. You know, you you only get you know for everything you do, you're not going to see instant gratification either. It's not going to be like, hey, you know, this can happen immediate. It might happen three months down the road. It might happen six months down the road for people you meet or contracts you obtain. But you know, money management has has changed some, not a lot. Um, just being genuine with people, and you know, everything's a business transaction now. Yeah. You know, just you know, every time you talk to people, it could lead to something down the road. You know, it might. You know, you don't look at it the same anymore. I was like, oh, I'm never gonna see that person again. You know, mm-hmm. when you don't own a business, it's not not as big of a deal, I guess. Yeah. You know, because you may never see them again. But just because you're in totally different parts of the state doesn't mean you're never gonna meet again. Yeah, yeah I remember I used to drive my dad's Mustang, and it was a it was a green Mustang Cobra, like the only one in town, the only one around. And uh, there was a really busy stoplight near us, but there was a bank, and you could sort of cut through the bank parking lot. Oh, really? And I didn't know that he was around, but I cut through the bank parking lot, and he fucking chewed me out because he's like, Matt, like, <laughs> like you can't, people think that's me. You can't be doing that dumb shit. Like, everybody knows that's me. Everybody knows that's right. Jim Craig Plumbing's Mustang. Yeah. And that's when I sort of learned that, like, every everything you do in every interaction is a representation of you. Yeah. And, like... Like, now my truck, like, eventually most people are going to know, like, oh, yeah, that's Matt's truck. Like, it's, yeah. there's, I'm sure there's other similar, the same exact Tacomas, but if you see somebody doing something stupid in that truck, you're going to think it's me, and it's just a representation of, right. not only me, but of my boss, Travis, and my coworker, Julie, of myself, and the farm, and Sarah, and sort of everything you do is just a, I never really thought about that in college, but now as a, yeah. as a wiser lad... Yeah, it's it's all right there and apparent now. Yeah, for sure, and it's it was really cool. Like, I love like the the unknown. I guess if you will, it's not like um, the apprehension of you know and it not knowing. And I guess growing the business is a big big thing for for us. So you know, and and making sure that we're still fam very much family owned. Mm-hmm. You know, we never want to be like that franchise feel or like okay, schedule an appointment on the computer kind of thing. I mean, it'd be cool to offer people, to show them, like, appointment windows that are open to them, but I don't know, like, we always want to be, like, very personable with our clients. A lot of people get, like, It's like the hardest part of growing. Like, you want to be personal, you want to be the one they talk to, but also, you can never grow if you do everything. Yeah, you have to decide. That's the thing now is, you know, implementing systems and making sure everything's repeatable even when I'm not standing right there. So, like, because... We're owners, right? So we're going to do it that right. You know, I mean, we're going to do it with 110%. But if you hire somebody, are they, is the question. They're not going to do it like you. No. So it's it's figuring out how to create a system so that it... It has to get done that way. It has to get done that well, way. Well, it depends. Some stuff. Some stuff will do better, but most stuff they won't do as good because they don't have their... They're just employed. They don't, they don't have their name on it. It's not their right. legacy. Exactly. So it's interesting. It's definitely interesting. It poses some different uh, challenges than, you know, working for the, the man. Working for the man. Yeah. Working for the man. Yeah. Now, you, now you're the man. Well, we're, we're the man. Yeah. <laughs> you're the man who you're working for. Yeah. It's interesting, though, for sure. I like it a lot. You know, I like the community involvement. Like, you can actually see what you've done at the end of the day. Yeah, because you, you guys clean the windows for the uh, 
What's the plats like the downtown police station? Same thing. Community center. Yeah. Yep. They're doing a lot down there. You know, that's an explorer program. Um, they're doing with, uh, <laughs> you know, younger younger kids. They're taking them for a period of time, put them in a uniform. It's a lot like the fire department explorer program that I had um, been exposed to as a kid. Yeah. And, uh, that's good, I think. You know, but at the same time, they're also open that up for. Uh, you know, did you see? You ever seen uh, Spark before? I know the name of it, but I can't think of what that is. I don't remember the acronym uh, breakdown either, but it's for um, more or less it's uh, drug abuse and like rehab. Yeah, that's is that that's is that the. So it's going to be like, it's it's police department, but it's not going to be like the second they walk through the door, they're not going to handcuff. So it's, it's a place for help. Yeah. So that's that's going to be cool if they can they get on board with them. So it's it gives somebody the the opportunity to get help rather than feeling like instant. Well, it's hard. Like I'm, you know what I mean? I'm so torn on so many issues because you don't want people to use some drugs. Some drugs shouldn't be declassified as a drug. They're okay. Yeah. Some drugs are bad for you. You want people. You want kid. You want young kids to be scared of them, and never to try them. Yeah. And it's hard to deter people from that without saying, you know, you're gonna you're gonna get arrested. You don't want to get arrested, right? You don't want to end up in a cage. Yeah. So don't don't fucking do heroin. Don't fucking do yeah. meth. Don't don't what if sell you did, those drugs. Now you're hooked. How do you get off it? And that's the Without thing, too. Record, like, you know yeah, I mean? like, what's the... If somebody's hooked on drugs, whether it's their fault or some instating circumstance, you want to give them a path to redemption. Yeah. But also, I don't know, I'm so torn on issues like that because it's... Like, you gotta you got to maintain law and order. Like, you have to have a set of rules in a society. Because Absolutely. some people... And some people aren't going to play by the rules, so do you just say, oh, it's okay. Or... Yeah. I don't know. Because I, I bet you a significant pop part of the prison population is just there for nonviolent drug crimes. There's a lot. There's a lot. That and then I there's saw. also some horrible fucking people who oh, there is. chop up your family. Yeah. And like, what do you do with them? Yeah. What do you do with them, really? I mean, that's the thing. Like, but if you look at like statistics, we incarcerate way more people than most countries, in as a whole. But there's also a lot of stuff that goes on here that doesn't happen in other places. I feel. I think it's because we are such a massive country. Are we the? Well, no, I guess. Is who's the biggest by land mass? I think it's Russia. I think yeah, I was gonna think it's Russia, but most of Russia is like there's just nothing up there. It's tundra. There's some bad prisons up there too. Oh, dude, yeah. Russia don't fuck. Discovery channels. Gulag archipelago, bro. Russia don't <laughs> fuck around, bud. Not at all. So I have a uh, person I connected with. I talked to him quite a bit. I can't remember his name at the moment. Um, connected through Instagram. A little closer, bud. And he talked to me about uh, Alison. What's uh, that? Norway. So I connected to him through the hunting industry, if you will, and, you know, we talked back and forth. He found out I was working at a prison at one time. I saw his uniform and commented on it, and uh, it was kind of like an eye-opener to see what his day entailed yeah. as an officer in that country versus what a day in my shoes years ago when I did it, and it's, it was very different, you know. Um, he was encouraged to play table ten tennis with them and things like that. Like, And then, then you see like another line with the state system. State system, they, they don't communicate anymore than they have to, where we're encouraged to communicate but not become friends with. Yeah. So that... Well, it's probably a fine line because I know... And then he was uh, encouraged to play. Yeah, more well, or less with and them. Norway, I think it's Norway, one of those Scandinavian countries, they like have their own little community. Everyone gets a little apartment type thing. Yeah. They That's try and get like it off of it. Community center, like but also, the dude who fucking shot up the school in Norway, he's getting out. Yeah. So, 
Like, what do you do? I don't know. Like, if somebody does a... It's like a Netflix series on that guy. Yeah. He's out getting to get out. Yeah. Like, it's crazy because there's heinous crimes and there's people who something horrible probably happened to them when they're younger and I'm sure something horrible happened to their parents and so on. But, like, what what is the solution? Like, you don't want people to break the law, but if nothing ever happens when you break the law, you should be like, it's all good. You're going to break it again. Yeah, exactly. And you don't want somebody. Or somebody to, else is going to see that it's okay. Yeah, and you don't want somebody to make a mistake and do something like I don't know something where it's not necessarily bodily harm to people or property. Yeah. And then their life is ruined. Their family's life is ruined. Like I don't know what the what the answer to proper prison systems in because in in Norway and countries like that people have a sense of community and people aren't going to fuck over their community yeah. so they're less likely to do that stuff they have a support system so they're less likely to try and find hope in uh, in a bottle and pills and a needle wherever people yeah. find hope if they don't have any but then the flip side is what do you you want to you want to discourage people from doing that right like that's the other thing is like you look at every country in there the justice system is totally different almost it feels like but yeah like, I know you you know from listening to your podcast, I learned that you were, you know, spent time in Ireland. Like, never even heard of an Ireland prison. You know, would, is there yeah, any? It's true. They're super strict on drinking and driving there, though. Are they really? You lose your license forever. Or I'm just told, this is a bro law, yeah. but I'm pretty sure you lose your license forever with two. And one is, like, very serious because they had horrible drinking and driving problems. Really? Yeah. So, but also, I never heard of prisons over there, so. Well, I know that my uncle, you know, he went over there some time ago to see my grandmother's family and where he went he was just he was up somewhere in Northern Ireland but I know he had to end up driving over there because he had a United States driver's license because my grandmother's brother only had a farm license so he could only go a certain distance away from the farm with his license at the time that he went over there it was a long time ago yeah but I don't know what it is now but I mean it's just well some parts of it are pretty like well that's the same thing pretty remote where he was it's the same thing too like in in like New York City where people live on top of each other yeah. like it has, you might have to have a little bit different laws than Keysville or Plattsburgh where people or not Plattsburgh because Plattsburgh is not as tight as the city but you know if you own a few acres of land the police don't come there quick you have to sometimes take matters into your own hands you might yeah and it's I don't know it's, it's I think that's the hard part about blanket statements for the US because there's we are like 20 different countries like if you go down to like the backwoods of Florida, Alabama, North Country, North Carolina. Very it's a very different world than like Northern Maine, or then there's the whole middle of the country, which is their own thing, yeah. and then there's the West Coast, and yeah, very different. Yeah, our, we have a lot of diversity for sure, and not only in like our cities, like the influence of each location. Like for instance, you look at like what is it, Louisiana? It's like a French Creole like yeah, area. that's kind of cool, and then. You get it again when you come up towards this area a little bit. The Quebec. Quebec, yeah. And then... I learned a little Canadian for uh, when I was slaying steak at Texas Roadhouse to get the fat tips. Did you? Yeah. <laughs> but that's, that's how it works. Like, a few people are like, oh, you know, I met somebody... Yeah, like your family, right? She was originally from... Yeah, like... Oh, I, I never... My mom never learned it. My grandmother didn't. But, but I just mean the, the flow of ideas and culture and that sort of thing. Yeah. Like a red hot. Yeah. <laughs> Dude, I'll never forget when Sarah first introduced me to those... She's from uh, up here, right? Yeah. yeah. Not Red Hot. What's the... Uh, Michigan. No. What's the amazing hot dog up here that's right? Oh, the Glacier. Glacier, Spud. Yeah. Legit, right? Dude, that's, that should be everywhere. Hot dog. Never had that. What's that? It's pretty much the same. But they, I think that's like... It's a taste like. It's like, it's like that, a red skin. The yeah. garlic. It tastes like garlic to me. 
Huh. I don't know what they taste like. I just love their crunch. The crunch is amazing. And, yeah, Michigan's. Michigan's Red Hots, whatever you call them. Is there any other names for them? Michigan's Tony Red Hot Hots. Hot Dog, but it's not the same. Yeah. McSweeney's. What I worked at McSweeney's. Really? Yeah. What, what McSweeney's do you think has the best? I think McSweeney's has the best Michigan's up here. I'm biased. I worked there for a long time. Like, my bad, Claire and Carl, but I went there. Yeah. Not the same, right? Gus's, too sweet. I gotta do a great Ronnie's. Michigan challenge. I've been to Ronnie's. My wife's family was, they're pretty big with Ronnie's. And I'm not, you know, I'm used to McSweeney's. So I like the spice. But uh, it's kind of spaghetti saucy, if you will. It's tomato based. It's really heavy on the tomato. Ronnie's. Which, where's Ronnie's? Ronnie's Michigan stand. Right next to Harrigan's on, right off of the Banker Road. Like, just just after the Banker Road. Keep going down three. Oh, Ronnie's is up in Morrisonville. It's at like the top next, of Route 3, right? Next to VFW. Kind of. Mm-hmm. You know where, you know where uh, Harrigan's is. I know of it. That's an ice cream place, right? You need to go there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I might have to. Yeah. You're going to have to go there. Like, you go to Ronnie's and then you go to Harrigan's. That's like a cheat night. Big one. Bro, every night's a cheat night when you're fat. <laughs> but no, it's it's good, though. Yeah. We like, uh, you know, working at McSweeney's growing up. That was another reason that I'm, you know, proud to be part of owning our own business now. Is that was probably the most fun place I ever worked in my life. And uh, just, you know, Mike Farrell and the way he runs his business is awesome. It's like a family. It doesn't feel like you're working. The restaurant mm-hmm. industry, like you said, it's a great time. Yeah. If it's done right. And, uh, but you got to be dedicated. you gotta, you got to do quality work. Especially when you're working in the back of the kitchen. And, you know, when you're doing, you know, serve, table serving. and Everywhere, man. you got to. It's all got to be The tight. person who cleans the floor is good, has to do it good, because the customer's going to complain about that and not come back in. Yeah. All the way to the server has to enter it right, the cook has to do it right, the manager has to manage right, the order has to make sure there's prime rib every night. Right. Everything is so complicated. Like, I don't think people realize, like, the just the supply chain that goes into everything. Yeah. After I was at the prison for five years, going back to food service, I, I ended up in food service. I was a warehouse supervisor for two and a half years, and I took uh, camp-level inmates outside. We would receive food based on uh, USDA inspector. What does camp level mean? Camp level, they can go outside the wire. Damn. So, so they got to be good, good prisoners. Short timers or non-violent crimes. Or, so it's all based on a point system. Outside the wire. Well, that's like well that that's actually the only location that does that, that I know of. I'm sure there's others, but I, I don't think so. I think I remember that being unique to Raybrook, but there's a you know group of cadre, if you will. They're work cadre. So hmm. they go out and that's where you want to be. Then you, you give them you give them keys. And they drive vehicles. No. They don't leave. How big is the facility there? They drive vehicles that's there. Big. Yeah, they drive my like work vehicles. They used to drive my forklift in my warehouse. And then move oh, the forklift is a little bit different. Well, I thought they drive an international box truck or they drive uh, a pickup truck for for landscaping. But just like through the compound, right? Like, through the compound. Was yeah, that outside of the wire? Did you give them keys outside of the wire? Yeah, they're outside of the they're outside of the secure confines of the facility. They're out loose, like me and you walking out, and you're all the way out. And then they work for the day. Then go back in with us. You gotta be thinking, bro, just driving that box truck. Like, should I just go for it? Should I? Should they I don't. stay? Should I go for it? They don't. But they could, in, in essentially. But they they won't. You know. I want to hear the I want to hear the real version of the Danamore prison escape. I don't think it's Ben still gave the real the real version. I don't think so. I think, I mean, there's definitely some. Uh, we got to do theatrics and make it cooler. 
Like, I doubt she was just banging him in the middle of the day. Like, just walk in there, bang quick, walk out. Yeah, sure, they, they bang, but... You they, made, they made those officers look way worse than... You know yeah. what I mean? I think that, in reality, that was probably a lot more on the down low. Yeah. You know? I just don't think... They they have a lot of, you know, family that's worked there and stuff. And I yeah. know they were pretty squared away guys. And I don't think that's how that... I don't think you could cut through that pipe with a hand blade. That's the one thing that I don't believe. It was soft. It's malleable. It's a softer pipe from what I've under what I'm you know. Is it like a big old. iron waste pipe or? Yeah, it's like a giant, giant pipe. But I don't know. You can only believe so much. Well, I guess too, if you just have unlimited free time, like I always imagine what I could accomplish at the farm if I didn't, if I wasn't working here, like where I just had a lot. Yeah, a lot. Because I just have Saturdays and Sundays. I'm like, you know, if I put in like a good 10, 12-hour Saturday or Sunday, you get a lot done. How I imagine that times five. Like I wouldn't be able to put in that many hours because I'd be tired. I was doing farm work that much, but. Yeah. You watch these guys that they do with their time. It's kind of crazy, you know. Some of them, they work out twice a day, write letters, go to education, get a college degree. And here I am working. It's like, seriously? He's working out twice a day and getting a college degree, and I'm over here working. <laughs> I didn't spend a night in jail. I just spent a night in the drunk tank in college, and I worked out. I, was like, I don't know what else to do. I just did push-ups. Oh, yeah. Okay. Life. Didn't no. hit the record. Just being right. drunk and stupid happens Happens to the best of us. It's all right, man. Hmm. We're done. You know, I think... Uh, so I think what's, your, what's your plans for the future for Sparkle Queen? Where do you want to... Continued growth, but I like it's sustainable growth. Slow and steady. Slow and steady. You know, take every, uh, I think, I think a lot of business decisions is all about timing. timing. Right decision at the right time. Luck. Being at the right, right industry at the right time. Yep. It would have sucked to open up a bookstore in like 2000. Like Ooh, that's your, that's, that's your life bad. goal, your dream. <laughs> that was bad. And before that, it could have been great. You could have the best bookstore ever. Yeah. Plattsburgh still honestly has a lot of bookstores in business when you think about it. You have like four or five bookstores. Talk about growth. I think Plattsburgh's on the upswing. Oh yeah, but we're in a we're. I mean, we, I've been told, you know, yeah, we're the we're the United States suburb of Montreal, if you will. But I think like where Plattsburgh's going, it's definitely gonna grow. We're in a really strategic location, like shipping and transit wise. Industrial when, manufacturing. Yeah, industrial manufacturing, and I think that's an area that's gonna grow in the U.S. Yeah. And it's like uh, people start making more stuff in the U.S. Yeah. And, and based com- companies come over here a lot. Even just seeing, like, I came here in 2010, like, just the amount of stuff that was closed down or just in dis- just disheveled and in crappy shape to now. Yeah. Like, every time my parents come up, there's one or two more, like, not restaurants, but just something opening up on Route 3 or new businesses popping up. Like, even my street, like, my street in Keysville, my house was dilapidated, like, could have been a foreclosure condemned. The house next to me, I don't know what the inside was like, but nobody lived there. And then the same thing as the house next, like, two up. Like, just, I don't think anybody lived there. But now, like, those houses, somebody built a new house up the road a little. Like, all that stuff means the area is doing good. Yeah. Absolutely. It's, it's going the right direction. Especially, it's, it's a great place to own a business right now. Oh, yeah. You know, I think, you know, the real estate market's doing great. Real estate, real estate does well. I'm going to do better. Because we don't only service commercial, we service residential markets. So... Um, a lot of companies are you know, dedicated commercial or dedicated residential. I think it's important to do both. Yeah. You know, and I think it's it's possible to be good at both. It's just, you know, you gotta have, you know. Well, there's crossovers in a lot of them. There is. It's like there's a carpet in here. There's probably carpet in residential. Or there is carpet in residential. Yeah. I do a lot of windows. Everywhere's got windows, baby. 
Yeah, they get dirty. Every six months. I wonder what the tallest building in Plattsburgh is. Probably Kehoe or one of the admin buildings on Plat on on uh, their on windows campus. come out. They're what? I guess like somebody was telling me that their windows come like all the way out. Like they could take them out. Somebody was telling me on like some of like the resident hall buildings, even the some of the taller ones. But the Kehoe administration building's got to be straight street glass. Yeah. Like Adams just was putting that in there. Yeah. You know, I'll go out there on a window seat. What's a window seat like? How do you strap in? Do you just go to you the anchor roof? on the roof? You get anchors with counterweights, or you get like the actual whole like you know you can just get a lift. Yeah. You get a lift. OSHA lift certified. We can't go that do, high. Depending on the you know the height of the lift, you know you can go up there quite a ways. But those buildings are probably gonna have to be done off of the roof. I would I would imagine. So how do you counter? Like what do you mean? Like you just put a five hundred pound weight up there, or is it like anchor so in? You anchor in. Uh, you can do like weighted anchors in the center of the roof, and then rollers on your rope. As you go down and you sit in a window cleaning seat, that you see them do in the big cities, or you can do like an edge anchor. So if the edge of the building has like a retaining wall, you have sideways wheels on this. Essentially, it's a uh, high high tension system. I don't know if you've ever seen one before, with a rope, and then you put counterweights on the other side. They have to be a certain, you know, they have to be inspected and everything, and then you can you know put a man on them. But I wouldn't have a problem doing it. I think it'd be check one of the boxes for me. <laughs> Accomplishments, but um, we do a lot of windows off of lifts. We do our OSHA lift training. I do my OSHA lift training, I should say. Yeah. But Katie doesn't go up there. Not a thing. She does clean windows. I think she's the prettiest window cleaner I've yet to meet. Just the floor. Just the. Does the floor level like? Yeah. She, well, she'll do the insides. So we always that's we we you know pretty much sandwich a piece of glass between us. So even though these windows tip in, when you tip them in, you start getting water droplets all over the place. So to give that quality, Katie would be in here. I'd be outside. Hey, baby. You know, and we do the glass, but that way you know it's streak-free. And then when you move to the next one, you don't have to come back to it. Ah, it saves time. The Shout out to uh, Luke, the window cleaner in Kansas, I believe. Did he teach you that? Or just YouTube, shout out to him? YouTube. No, but he has an awesome YouTube channel. Awesome support network through Window Cleaning Resource. And uh, him and his wife, or I believe they're married, if they're not married. Sorry about that. But him and his bae. Him and his, him and his girl, they do it together every day. That's all he does. Just straight windows? He owns night window cleaning. And uh, yeah, so I started cleaning the windows. My dad knew how to do, you know, straight pulls and everything. That's how my grandfather always did it. And uh, I wanted to advance my techniques. So I reached out, found him. And not only was he willing, he was growing his business at the time. Reached out to him and told him my budget. And he went on and ordered the stuff for me, put it in my cart, and I just pulled the trigger and then just stayed with it. So what, what do you mean by advanced window cleaning techniques? Just different, you know, products, things that save time. The more efficient you are, the more money you can make, and the more value you can return to your customer. And I'm all about that, you know, so, you know, Mormon Accelerator is a huge tool nowadays. Back in the day, they used to call it Wagtail. It's a, it's a swiveling squeegee, but instead of, like, mopping the window and then bringing your pole down and then re-hooking your squeegee, and then trying to fan the window with something that doesn't move, it's literally the flick of your wrist. I have a couple videos up there on Instagram, but if you just you clean the glass, and then I'll bring it down to where I can reach with my body, then I'll flip it, and I'll clean it in one motion. So I'm not going to like pull and then make a line, and then pull and make a line, because then you have, to, you have to buff those lines. You have to get the lines out, so you just have like one fluid thing. That you one fluid motion, just like a hand. You've seen guys, you know, you dancing know, across the glass. Do you have Instagram to that? Yeah. Are you rocking that? Yeah, I did uh, actually tour it in the mall. 
I was doing, uh, I think I did a video on that one. Um, there's another one. I think it was Maurice's actually in the mall, same day. I've done them. Um, there's actually a really good video of me doing staples. Nice. But yeah, it's, it saves so much time. And you physically, sometimes you have to get up there and get it right the first time. Yeah. And then you can use that tool. But then the next time you clean it. Yeah, because I'm sorry you could to go for that tool. Because sometimes, like, you know, for instance, like certain windows have oxidation and you gotta. Well, polish. Are my windows gross? And then yeah, you, I don't, you I don't think I've ever off. washed anything here. You polish that off of there with, you know, special cleaners and stuff, and then the next time you're. You're much faster. You know? huh. But then you can keep them there. I feel like this area is hard on windows. Yeah. There's like an art and in force. everything. There's so much, like everything. You wouldn't think window cleaning has techniques and an art. You're just like, I don't know, it's just somebody window cleans. Right, yeah. Well, it's a, it's attention to detail. And uh depends if you want to give them everything. You give them everything you got. Give them everything you can, you know what I mean? Instead of rather just like, I'm sure there's guys out there just mopping the window. and I call, We call them bucket bobs. They go out there with the mop and the squeegee and just leave lines and streaks. Fucking and bucket bobs, bud. <laughs> you know? And then you'll be out there doing a job, and then you'll, you'll try to give somebody a, a solid estimate, a fair estimate for your time. And you're like, well, so-and-so does the whole building for $28. And you're like, how do you compete with that? Fucking bucket There's bobs, There's no way he bud. has insurance. Yeah. You know what I mean? <laughs> but, you know, it's all right. Yeah. Everybody's got to make a living, so it's okay. But yeah. It just depends on what you want, like... We don't want to be like a luxury service either, where people can't afford the work. But you want to you want to be compensated properly for your time and energy. And, you know. Yeah, there's a lot going on in business. People don't realize there's insurance, there's workers' comp, work there's comp. all that stuff. Man. So we have so many rates with work comp. I should shop that. I think. Yeah. Maybe shop because everything. I, we've been we've been on the same work comp provider for a long time, but they range so much. Like if I was to do a pressure wash job, it's like forty eight per hundred. Forty eight dollars per hundred, so I'm nearing like roofing. So you're saying forty eight dollars per hundred dollars in payroll. So when somebody's pressure washing, yeah, and if it's not me, you are paying them a hundred dollars for the day. Forty eight of that has to go to or you owe, you owe workers though. comp forty eight bucks. Forty eight dollars, but if they were cleaning windows, seven dollars and eighty five cents. Pretty hard to get hurt cleaning windows unless you're a fucking wreck it, Bob. Yeah. Well, that's the other thing. So, like, water-fed pulse, right? So that's a new technology. I'm sure you spent time overseas. So you've, you've maybe seen that before. Over there, they use those water-fed poles a lot. And it's because of a... Uh, they don't have OSHA over there. It's called the HSA. They pretty much made it. So unless you're a sole proprietor and it's only you, you can't really use ladders anymore. So, like, if you have a ladder up and there's a man on it, somebody has to be on the bottom holding it. All the time. All the time. So unless you own the business, you can't be just one man on a ladder. So they've tied them, their hands pretty good over there. So a lot of them have accepted the cleanliness they can obtain with the water fed pole, and that's all they do. Regulation screws up everything. Except when it doesn't. Cleaning. Is conservation. New York Ladder Law is pretty rough, too. Where? Wait, what? Say New York Ladder Law. There's another one. So if you're not cleaning and you're doing any type of maintenance that's not considered cleaning, you have to be hooked above and below still. Below? How's that gonna help you on a ladder? Well, no, you stake the bottom. Oh. <laughs> and stake into the, like the side of the roof and the face area or something. Something solid has to be in there. Like when I worked at a roofing crew, you used to have to be OSHA. OSHA, man. Yeah, above and below. It'd be hooked two times. That sucks. But I guess they don't want people to die, so that's good. <laughs> it's safe. But yeah, conservation is big. EPA. Well, conservation, yeah, I mean, they are the only reason that the Adirondacks are nice. And a lot of people don't realize that hunters 
probably the really the only ones you pay into conservation. I mean, every time you buy a bullet, um, I don't know what the breakdown is, but a good amount of money goes towards DEC officers, towards purchasing lands, towards cleaning up lands. Yeah. There's that, and there's that. Adirondack Park. Mm-hmm. No, some, people, some people talk bad about it around here because they, it's, it's a regulating body. You know, it's... Well, it's good. Like, that's part of the reason that I like my house because, like, the park is very... Um, they don't have any oversight. Like, they are... The Adirondack... The APA is, like... That's it. They don't answer to... I don't know if this is true or not, but they don't answer to New York State. They don't really answer anybody. They're sort of their own governing body, yeah. and they get to have the law. It's good. And, um, I mean, I think it's it's a pretty place. It's, it's only the way it is because of the APA. But, I mean, it's not to say, I mean, yeah, they may yell at you for doing funny colors in your home. Yeah. You know, you hear guys talking about, oh, I can't even do what I want in my own house, you know, or something like that, but... Matters, it's mostly on bodies of water, though. Yeah. That and the road signs, as soon as you cross into the APA. Right? Yeah. Bright greens, it's brown and, brown and yellow, right? Is it? Yeah. Up towards, like, uh... Yeah, I guess you remember that when they switch? They switch? I don't know. This is not to detract from the landscape. Ah. They know what they're doing. Yeah. It's, it's kind of cool. They do, like, the small things, like, you wouldn't really notice. But conservation and keeping, keeping it nice, like... It's so important. Like, people don't realize how much hunters, how much money they give, and, like, how many species they've brought back from the brink of extinction. And, and there's a big differentiation between what used to be market hunters and sports hunters. Like, market hunters, you know, that used to be a thing, and that's, yeah, that's, that's where a lot of it went bad, because went bad. they were trying to, you know, you shoot you shoot a pheasant, and then you're selling pheasants yeah. in the store, you run a bunch of buffalo off a cliff, and you're <laughs> yeah. selling hide, stuff like that. Waterfowl. Yeah. You know, remember that, you know? That was crazy back in those days. But hey, if you if you're not a you're not a hunter and you still buy a duck stand nowadays, you still give back. Mm-hmm. You're still giving back to the environment. You know, some people collect stamps, so might be a cool thing to do. You know, <laughs> some people you know the habitat access. Yeah, habitat yeah. access is important. People don't realize that we own the park. Yeah. Anybody can just walk into besides private property, but yeah. state-owned areas in the in the Adirondack Park, you just go there, camp, do your own thing. I think sometimes we take that for granted, though, right? Because it's right here. And other people like live in these cities, and they they want to go out and do these things, and they have to travel so far to do it. And we're right here. Well, the biggest thing is people. I find that the easier it is to access an, access an area, yeah. the more garbage and junk and crap you're gonna find. Yeah, we. I always try to leave it cleaner than when I showed up. Yeah. I on the way through like a trail hiking trail. On the way in, if I know I'm coming back that way, I'll leave it. I'll just go do my thing, and on the way out, I'm picking stuff up. Yeah. And throwing it in my pack if I can. You know, just because, I mean, who wants to, if, say if it is that person that traveled from, yeah, you know. Yeah. Middletown or somewhere yeah, like that. Middletown or New York City. And they wanted to go up and just take a nice walk up Poco Moonshine. And here's, you know, coffee cup or, yeah. they don't want to see that. That's not why they came here. Yeah, and then you're you know? losing money in the long run because oh. that person who's going to New York, from New York City who's going to stay at an Airbnb or, or a hotel who's going to go to your restaurant. They're going to be like, oh, it wasn't that really that nice. The water wasn't that clear. Uh Back I, to BHA, though, I mean, they do that all the time. They do cleanups. And that's that's a backcountry hunters and anglers organization, right? So that's them giving back to cleaning things up and staying proactive with all the bills, trying to make sure you're keeping public hands and public, you know, public lands and public hands, more or less. But, uh, you know, the access, and that's the big thing is the access. There's there's a bunch of landlocked lands, public lands. It's really weird how that's a thing. It's, it's more so out west, I feel. 
No, there's one near me. Is there one near? Oh yeah, there's Landlock State Land up here. Of course. There's yeah, there. there's one. There's like a little. Uh, Somebody, you can maybe get it off the back end of your property. Well, no, I mean I'd have to trespass and other people probably get to it. But you on would. the on the back side of my house, it's just like I looked at it on the APA map. There's just like a square, and it appears to be surrounded by public or by privately owned land. That'd be sweet though if you own public. I wonder. I guess you could helicopter in. When breaking laws, right? Yeah. Breaking well, laws. supposedly, doesn't nobody own like this, like even like a super small stream? Like you can just walk up a stream because it's public land. So that gets weird. So it has to be a recognized waterway. I think it does, but there's weirder stuff than that because I have to actually like I've been hunting waterfowl for quite a while, and it, I really enjoy it. You know, not market hunting, of course, but uh, you know, I love you know early goose season, and I used to like to hunt on the water. I think it's a really good time. It's just peaceful and uh you know hunting in the saranac river is something you know some of us will do in the area we'll float it you know but from what i've been told i called the ec headquarters because i want a clarification especially with my old job because technically yeah, you didn't want to get in trouble i didn't want to get in trouble especially having the job i had because then i would get in trouble twice and you know you can end up losing your job and things so i want to really make sure it's playing by the rules if you're sitting in a canoe from what I understand, you have a decoy spread out in front of you in the, in the you know, Saranac River, and you discharge your weapon, you're legal. And you get out and you retrieve your duck, you're fine. If you're standing and your feet are touching the ground in a set of waders and you discharge a shot, you're hunting on nice egg property, from what I understand. So nice egg was my last. Saranac? Dude, they can't own the water, but they own the ground underneath it, was what I've been told, because of the dams. So, the DEC officer explained to me that I could shoot sitting in the canoe on the water because New York State owns the water, but I cannot shoot standing on the land unless I owned the bank of the river. But there's a dicey area in which Niceg and the landowner owns, so you need to make sure that your duck blind is on the proper part of it. Part of it. So, it, it gets dicey. You know, you got to play by the rules. And, you know, of course, waterfowl is federally regulated. Yeah, so there's even more rules with that, though. More rules. Yeah, because they're migratory, so it's not migratory like New York States or anything. Yeah, yeah, because I always felt weird, uh, like fishing, like fishing Lake Champlain, just like gotten up close to people's docks and fishing under it. <laughs> like, yeah, sorry guys, like that's just where the bass are hanging out. That's where the sun is now. Fishing's great too. Like I just started fly fishing. I feel like uh, I'm still at the point where I'm. I go out casting. I don't go fishing yet. I go out casting. You know, I practice casting, and sometimes I get a bite. How many hours do you think it would take for me to? Like, how long do you think I'd have to work at it to be able to fly fish? Like, how long have you worked at it? A couple hours. I mean, I could be more dedicated. I'm more dedicated to archery because it's just, I'm a trout guy. So I know my little spots, and I just grab my spinning rod because it's there and easy. And I know the holes that they're sitting in. Yeah. So <laughs> Easy to get there. It's easy to get it done that way, but I think uh, you could do it. Um, it just depends. I would not recommend starting in really small waterways. Because of the cast, the yeah. back cast, and you're going to get tangled, maybe. But no, I mean, if you're patient with it, and you were dedicated, it wouldn't take that long. You could be fishing on the water pretty soon. Like, I feel like I can fish, but I feel like there's people that are way better. Like, some people just yeah, they bomb just that out there, and they just got it, you know? And I fish with a glass rod, so it's a slower... Is it actually made of glass? By glass. Uh, so it's much slower. It's a blue halo rod uh, in Utah. They're awesome when the sun lights. <laughs> that's why I bought it no but it's 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 really cool Rod um, you can start with a lot less than that though yeah I start with cheap stuff make sure I like it man. Fenwick 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 Butterstick I like that name too 
I think that's a glass rod too, if I remember right. They're hmm. cheaper. They're rated really well. I think I can go. Take this one right here. I know. I was think. I was just thinking that too. I guess I probably could. If my grandpa lost you, I might have to try it. But it'd probably be in the same spot as yours. Cause I don't want to mess it up. Yeah. <laughs> so I wonder. You think if I want to wait for a weekend and just like fly fished all weekend? That'd be a little harder. It'd be harder. But if you had a guy that really knew what was yeah, going on. Yeah, it wouldn't just be me like just going, figuring it out. Yeah, you would, I will go with you, but uh, I'm not going to be your teacher. You're going to be laughing at me, but... Nah, you're a good enough teacher. I trust you. If I brought somebody that was really doing it for a while, it'd be fun. That's you can I, learn a lot quick from somebody. Well, that's the thing. Like, if you just go to a master and somebody who enjoys teaching and they're good at yeah. it, you're like, all right, dude, just put your wrist like this and give a little, little yeah. ring ding and you're good Absolutely, to go. Absolutely, yeah. Like, there's people out there, uh, Tom at Two Fly. And uh, Sable, awesome guy, awesome guy. So I bought my stuff on the internet, and even though I did, actually I bought my rod on the internet, because I knew the rod I wanted, and uh, went up there and set me up my reel, line, everything else, and I'm probably going to go back up there this year for some casting instruction. Yeah, he's pretty good. You know, Some people say the Hungry Trout's pretty good too, teach their own, they're both fly shops right there in the area. Yeah, yeah, I see the Hungry Trout. It's a blue ribbon trout stream, yeah, Sable. What does that mean? It's rated. Not sure on the specifics on it, but I mean it's it's a rated trout what's, stream. What's the highest rating? I don't know. I don't actually know, but I know it's a it's a, it's a blue ribbon trout stream. It's in the uh, the book that I have, uh, the Trout Limited. It's rated in there almost every year. You know, and it, I, th I can't remember if it's only one branch or both branches, but it's catching really so You can hook some nice ones in there. I have some buddies I used to work with that were fishing pretty hard. Yeah. Yeah. They were really good at it. Really relaxing. I mean, beautiful spot. You know, coming down through the notch. Well, that's why I want to do I it. Not want to do it. Like I remember uh, when I used to come to work. I remember sometimes I used to come to work super early when I lived in Plattsburgh because it was like it was right there. It was easy, and I'd see the dudes like at the crack of dawn, just like old ass gangsters, just fly fishing, like living life. It looks so relaxing. It is. Yeah, it's definitely relaxing sitting there as long as your stuff's not tangled up. Yeah. <laughs> but no, in the beginning you're gonna you're gonna have your hiccups, but. In the end, I think it irons itself out. I mean, if you think about it one way, I mean, you're coming down the notch. You have two opportunities. You can go get some physical exercise, walking up one of the peaks. Yeah. Or you can go stand on the river and try to catch some awesome pretty fish. Especially when they go in color. Yeah. You know, when the, when the trout are in color, it's awesome. Rookies when, are my favorite fish. When do they go in color? I think it's in the fall, if I remember right, during the spawning time. But they, they get that vibrant color. It's just Oh, it's crazy to it's see. amazing. Fish are pretty badass. Yeah, so there's a there's a fish that I it's on my bucket list. There's a couple of them. One of them is a bull trout. They're out west quite a bit. And they're uh, really pretty. I've seen like pictures like tiger trout. I think they're called tiger trout. I think that's the thing. Right? I'm gonna make that up. No, I think I think they're called tiger trout. I might have to Google that one. But there's a there's a spot in New York. They used to uh, they used to do kokanee salmon. I don't know if I'm pronouncing that right, but chinook. No, no kokanee. Kokanee. Yeah, there's small salmon. And they're in this one pond up near Lake, uh, Lake, what is that, Eighth Lake? I want to say Eighth Lake. It's up near Inlet, mm -hmm. up that way, you know, like Old Forge. And there's, they used to stock it. And I guess it's naturally, like, there's reproducing in that in that one area. And it's like a one-mile walk from the car, and there's a campsite nearby. That ain't bad. I'm thinking about trying it this fall. Just because you can catch, like, they turn, like, this bright red. And they're not super big salmon. They're little tiny things. Yeah. But they're wicked cool. Huh. There's something different to do, you know? I'm not going to do it. It's pretty... Yeah. Is there a difference? I remember... What's the difference between a... Tr what is a steelhead? 
Is it a trout or a sand? I know it's, it's like landlocked because it is a. What is it? It's the definition of a steelhead, I believe, is a rainbow trout that went to sea and came back. Is that it? I don't know. I have to look that up. But so then, how would it? So steelhead wouldn't be. Well, does Lake Champlain flow into the ocean eventually? It does eventually. Oh yeah, because you can take the locks, right? Yeah. So those. Wow, the journey of a fish. All <laughs> right. That's crazy. It always amazes me that they would know that and like. Tributaries of the Pacific Ocean in Asia and North America. The Atlantic salmon is actually a trout. It's more closely rated rainbow trout than, than Pacific salmon. They still have trout or salmon. Some stay in freshwater all their lives. Those are rainbow trout. The steelhead are the form that migrate to the ocean. They change color and get much, much larger than the residents, just like Pacific salmon, and return to the rivers where they were born to spawn. So they do. They go to ocean and come back. It's crazy they could go on the Mammoth ocean trout. and then come back to the same river and be like, no, I know where I'm at, dude. It's all good. Yeah, it's keep crazy. heading up here. It's crazy. You can freshwater and saltwater. Right? right? Fish are smart. What purchase of $100 or less has most positively impacted your life in the past few years? Man, $100 or less? Can it be an app? Anything. I got a couple of them. Hit, hit me with them. A couple apps. So, one of them is recommended by, uh, who recommended that? Cam Scanner app? Might have been Ryan. Oh, wait, is that the one he was talking about in the meeting last yeah, time? Yeah, so I used that the other day. Does it do perfect documents? Yeah, it does. Dude. And you can check the corners. I'm about to download this. You should download that. So that can scan your app. Um, and then we use Mileage IQ because we're a service-based business. So that logs my miles, and I can approve them or deny them in the evening every day when I get home. It makes mileage tracking so much easier for the year for me because I use my vehicle for both business and personal. That's a huge time saver. I bet. You know, but... uh. I would say that and, you know, probably some, some tools. But what tools? Probably window cleaning tools for less than $100, I would say. What about for the general public who's not, hey, sparkle clean? For, like, window cleaning tools? <laughs> Just for, like, the homeowner? You <laughs> no, know? I mean, like, best, um, oh, you have to pay for cam scanner? Just a little bit. Bro, I don't know how cheap I am. <laughs> Just a little bit. I, I'm still on the trial, though. Well, I want one that I can give to customers to download. For just like... Like, because they just send me pictures like... They could don't like, do that, page. just a free trial and just get it done quick. No, they don't, they're like, I'm not entering my card info. <laughs> not today. But no, I would say... Man, I don't know. I cook a lot too, so... As we talk, I don't know if we died, didn't touch on that, but I mean, I, I cook a lot, so... Less than $100. You get a Traegar yet? What is it? Traegar? Pellegrill? No. Dude, no. I want one so bad. I got an awesome camp chef with a pizza oven. It sits on top of it. Is it a Pellegrill, though? No. Or is it just regular? Straight LP. Yeah. Just a little uh, 30,000 30, BTU camp chef. I gotta get... I gotta, dude, I haven't had a grill in like two years. You know how crazy I'm going. Because I was just broke last year, so I can't fucking buy a grill. Yeah. And then this year, I'm still, I'm still decently broke. But I really want, because I used to, my, uh, I had a nice electric smoker, but it just, just broke. Like, no idea. My neighbor, who's a pretty good electrician, he checked it, he checked it all out. Like, nothing should have been broken. I mean, yeah. we even, like, took it apart and tried to figure it out, but it was like, 
just, just not turning on. Because mm-hmm. I like I like electric smokers because um, like the set it and forget it yeah, part of it. Absolutely, they work awesome. You know, I mean electric. I mean, like you well, because you're you just, just set it and it you're goes. not yeah you're not like cooking on electric. It's just the electric is just heating up yeah. the uh, pellets. Oh, it was so good, dude. I used to make like oh, my dad loves smokers too. Dude, they're amazing. I feel like they're better for you. Well, like I don't do you know. Trust, do you trust smoking up, eating shit that's fucking propane, all propane up? Or I, don't I know. do it, but like I don't like it. But then at the same time, you read like, oh, everything that's like crispy comes off a grill. Oh, that's carcinogens. Well, I used to chew tobacco, and I don't anymore. So that's better for me anyway. Yeah. So I mean, I don't know. I take everything with a grain of salt for the most part. You know, I would say for less than a hundred bucks, I would probably say like a natural clay loaf pan. Just because I use it so much. What is that? It's just like a, it's a, it's a loaf pan made like, out of, like. Like bread loaf? Yeah. Make, make a bread? bread? Yeah, I make bread. Bro. I never, love making bread. Never brought me bread. I had sourdough starter alive in my house for like 18 months, and then I stopped taking it. You killed it? I let it go. How do you, you, how do you, how do you have to take really care of it? it? You feed it every day. You train it. You train it to, uh, you can put it in the refrigerator and then feed it if you wanted to, but I just, I left it on the counter and like. They'll get funky sometimes. People just scrape bad stuff off and keep them going, but I'm not about that life. Like, it got funky, so I just let it... Let it die. Yeah. But no. That one of your podcasts, actually. What is that? Uh, Garage House Cooking School? Yeah. Dude, that guy. Dude. Amazing. Curtis knows his shit. I am planning on actually, so, about the pizza oven. I actually, uh, it's on my agenda to attend one of his Art of Pie classes. Yeah. But I, I make my own pizza dough. He really likes to cook. You know, I use, like, a lot of venison meat, you know. I was just talking to Katie the other day. Um, I mentioned uh, my grandmother's from Ireland, so I, we, you know, always had shepherd's pie growing up. Mm-hmm. And I really want to try this, you know, trout and leek pie. Ooh, that'll be good. It's got to be good, right? It's like salmon leek. I think, Trout's salmonoid, so it's got to be good. I think leek season is over, though, isn't it? It is. Yeah. It is. There's still some. We didn't get any this year. Sarah's camp had some amazing leek. She's a big? No. I was going to say there's a lot of them up there. Yeah, I bet. Yeah, I want to I wanna become... Do you do any, like, foraging? Like, would you know what mushrooms you can eat and stuff like that? Not a lot of them. No, I gotta, you know, I eat a lot of mushrooms, but I need to, uh... They're all store-bought, or... Yeah. I go to the farmer's market, so tomorrow morning I'll be down there. Nice. Uh, you're gonna catch me in the Polish corner before everybody else gets there. <laughs> you ever been there? I never really go to the farmer's market. No? I go to, I go to like, Praise, yeah. or I go to uh, the Keedsville Pharmacy a lot on the way home. Yeah, Keysville Pharmacy is on point with stuff, yeah. Dude, they got some good stuff down there. They do. But this guy, Kristoff, he runs Polish Corner. Don't know if you like pierogies. I mean, Dude, I love pierogies. These are like the best He's got the Because I've only had frozen from a box, He's so I can only imagine. Poland. He knows his shit then. Yeah, and his white kielbasa, it's like a white kielbasa that's not smoked. Huh. But it's amazing. Like, I last week I went down there, and I'm going back this week. Because the only pierogies he had left was the meat ones. And I never had those before either. Those were good. But he makes one that's all about, like, cheese. And... I mean, the... that broccoli cheddar pierogi. Oh, Dude, uh, my smoked kielbasa. So my smoked cheddar ones. kielbasa with pierogies. Oh, you smoked that? Yeah. Well, D&D does. Oh, okay. I get to process it. And, like, eventually I want to make my own little processing room and be able to do, like, more stuff on my own. But, yeah. like, I have a little sausage maker, but it would take so long to, like, actually get sausage made with that. That's awesome, though. I gotta buy some meat from you. Because I'm all about, like, farm-to-table or field-to-table. If I can. You know, when you can. 
you know, I try to make good decisions all the time, but like I l- really don't like going into like Hannaford. Yeah. Because when I get done work, it's the only thing open, and I'm like grabbing food, and it's like Mexico, Peru, Chile. It's like, come on. You know, yeah. support the locals. You know, I can only imagine the how bad like an avocado is for the environment. Like, think about the journey of an avocado from Mexico all the way up to Plattsburgh, New York, in the yeah. middle of the winter. Like, yeah. You, you got to just learn to eat seasonal. Yeah, that's the thing. Is oh, they they come, do you see the Essex County books that they're handing out this year? What do you mean? I'm gonna have to grab you. I'll grab you one tomorrow. So it's it's Essex County. It's like eat with the season, and it has like all the fruits and vegetables that may be available during the right times of the year that are locally produced and where oh, you yeah. may find them. So, like, bro, you guys got to get in there. I got to get on the list, bro. You got to get on the list. No, I'm, I'm amateur hour with everything. I only have, like, ten apple trees and stuff like that. Yeah, but, I mean, just saying, like, with the pork and, like, everything else, like, they were just giving everybody, like, shout-outs on there. It's Essex County. It's, like, huh. it's, all, it's all right there. Bro. Yeah. So, you show. don't have two goats. And, uh... What are their names? Chloe and Bree. Nice. Yeah. They got a boyfriend? Not yet. Are you going to stud it out or find I think a so. boyfriend? I think so. It's better to stud it out. Yeah, I don't want to have to manage him. We got a goat. We got a man goat, but he's uh he's a Nigerian tour, so it's not hard because he's pretty small. Does he still get nasty though? You oh you can smell him. Can when you? I pick him up, I get bucks buck taint, <laughs> buck like, stink. Oh, but like the male ones are stinky. That's what I heard. They like pee all over themselves. It's really hilarious. They peel over their face and stuff. Like they like face. yeah like they like bend down and like pee on their neck because then they'll rub their neck on a tree. Like in the wild, they're yeah, like yo lady, if you're trying to get the D, come to this tree. Yeah. But, like, they're, they still got those wild instincts, so. Never leaves them. Yeah. Now, that, goats are interesting animals. Dude, Super. I really like, honestly. The meat is good, too. I don't know who I like better. I really like pigs, man. Pigs. Like, they're just so friendly, and, like, I hang out with them. They fix your land up for you. Like, they're like bulldozers, they'll spread seed. man. They'll spread seed, right? I was reading that. I have a piece of land over in Peru, and I was thinking about letting the goats go through, and, you know, once we get over there. You just invest in some, invest in a good solar, or if you got electric, get a good electric charger. And let them go, and then put the pigs behind them, and then put the chickens behind them. Just let them get my land back for me. Yeah. For the most part. That's what we do, like the pigs. I got old, like, I don't want to call it hedgerow, it's stone. Mm-hmm. So it's like, it's all like, it used to be pasture, but it's grown up now, a lot yeah. of years ago. I think my land, eventually, yeah, definitely, anywhere that there's rocks, Rock walls used to be pasture because yeah. they just make rock walls for, or they just make pasture. They make rock walls because they want to pasture. Okay. Have you ever been to Ireland? No. Dude, you gotta go. There's rock walls everywhere. I've seen the Dude. photos. Like you, you were west ride for like, I was all over. But I was <laughs> He's like, I went everywhere. But dude, the rock walls there are so perfect. It's crazy. Like it doesn't make sense that there's no like cement or anything, and they're like 400 years old. They stand in there. Just perfect. Because the like, angles and everything, dude, they're perfect. That's awesome, man. And you got to think, it had to take generations of people to do that. Yeah. Because you'll be, like, you can tell, like, people have, like, like, oh, this is, like, one dude style of rock wall, and then you go for, like, 15 minutes, and then it sort of changes. Yeah, their signature. Style. Yeah. That's awesome. But they're... Oh, that's such a cool spot. Too. It's a whole place is green, like, most of the year. Talk about grass-fed. Oh, bud. <laughs> Ireland, <laughs> got it going on, huh? Ireland is what changed my mind on meat. Because everything in Ireland is, like, grass-fed, like, no bullshit, no factory farms. And the meat there, until I went to Ireland, I never knew that chicken had a taste. Chicken used to just have a texture. Yeah, yeah, I know what you mean. Like, yeah, chicken has, like, farm-raised chicken, yeah. and it's different. But, like, I don't know, like, they have the, what's that market? It's, like, famous. It's, like, southern Ireland, I want to say. In Ireland, a famous market. market. 
I'm a big foodie. So, like, I was watching it on... Uh, I can't believe I missed it. I went to the famous Barcelona market. Did you? Like, the famous open-air market. Yeah, yeah. Dude, there's some crazy food. Is that in Ireland? No, it's in Barcelona. Barcelona, right? Well, there's one in Ireland that they said was, like, famous, too. It's, like, right off the coast. Huh. Oceanside, like, real close. I oh, think probably, it's, not... it's probably, like, a, a fish like a fish market type thing? Or yeah, fresh there's everything food? there. Stuff's, like, truck, like, chicken, yeah. like, daily, and it's, like, super fresh. I love it. It looked, food. like, awesome. What's the other one? They have one in Quebec. I really want to go to it, but I didn't know about, like, the duty and... Just you know, eat it all there, bro. Jean, Jean Talon market. It's, like, another open-air market. Like, just... I gotta get better at foodie. I'm I'm a foodie when I'm not lazy, but sometimes I just get lazy and just eat junk. Yeah. But I, I will love definitely it. buy some some pork from you though. What kind of pigs do you have? Yorkshire Duroc Cross. Okay. Forest. Yeah. Yeah. They're forested hard. Are they? And they get a good amount of forage. They get a good amount of um. I go to like a uh, praise gives me their food leftovers. So like, it's not moldy or anything. It's just like old lettuce, old it bread, is. and everything. Like I give them. That's awesome. I give them rice, pasta, grain. But a lot of vegetables, a lot of lettuce, a lot of apples. Like um, at the end of the season, we'll go get like truckloads of apples or truck. They love pumpkins. I'll get oh, they like, like them? I'll get like three truckloads in a row of pumpkins, and they go hard. That's awesome. I bet you that all like flavors of meat though. Pork is one of the few animals that takes on the flavor of what it's eating. I don't know exactly what it's called, but it's that's awesome. Like it actually takes on the and the color even like. Oh, the, like the, it'll change color. Like That's pigs awesome. that eat a lot. That's why pork in the store is just white. Super white. Like, I never knew pork. I never knew any of the animals were supposed to have, like, different colors until I started raising them. Yeah, that's awesome. Like, pork is supposed to be, like, a nice red, pink with, like... And, like, the fat actually tastes good. Like, I love the fat on my pork chops where the store-bought fat is like, oh, this is... That's the only fat I eat. Yeah. It's pork fat. It's I don't know good. what that is. What do you mean? I don't know why it is that. Like, chicken fat just never had that good... Like, like on the grill, it gets crispy. It's all right. But, like, beef fat... There's certain beef fats like I'll tolerate, but then other ones it's like, I'd rather not eat that. <laughs> I think it's because it's so old, it's tougher. Yeah, but then deer fat, you don't really want to eat that. Like, deer has fat and tallow. Tallow doesn't break down in like the sinew, and you got to trim that really well. Connective tissues do break down, but like that tallow gets in your mouth, and it's like that chalky, like, yeah, that'll ruin your dinner. You don't want that in there. <laughs> so, yeah. But it's so lean. Go, have you tried goat meat? I don't know. So I went to ask I her. I think I've had it in this stew, but I'm not sure. It is good. Yeah. It's good. It's, it's almost like venison, right? Well, it's like, it flirts that gap. You've had lamb. Yeah. In Ireland, I'm sure you did. So, you know, lamb is like sweet. It's yeah. not sweet, but it's like greasier venison-ish. But then, goat is sweeter, but it's leaner. So it's like... The chops. You gotta try the chops. They're super small though. Buy a lot of them, but they're expensive. <laughs> you need at least two. Yeah. To eat with dinner. Maybe I'll. Because they do. They do this thing, and uh, that's where I got them. It was a smaller. It was a younger goat that I bought. It's called Cabrita. They eat that a lot in like Italy. And so what's your plans for the goats? Not eating them. They're alpines. They're they're milk goats. But if they have male offspring, and I don't want a lawnmower. Yeah, like, you know. You hear that? You might, I may do a Nubian cross. Yeah, what I do, so that they have the opportunity to go meat or dairy. Nice butter fat. We but, Nigerian because they were just easy to handle, and like for Sarah doing it, Macy's on her own because she's there most of the day. Yeah. You gotta make sure we like making cheese. Like, what if what if I just hate making cheese and it's a bitch? Yeah. Well, it's that the other thing is it's once you start milking, it's an everyday thing. You know, vacations yeah, get Sarah. 
Vacation's already hard. Everything's an everyday thing. You know, I, the hardest thing for me, and I was like, oh, it's only 130 pound goat. It's not that big of a deal. Well, my goats are only 100 pounds right now. They're not even full grown yet. But when I trim their hooves, one of them stands there and lets me do it. The other one will stand on her front legs and kick both of her feet as hard as she can. The only way I could ever do it in the winter was I would set her in a snowbank where she couldn't get any traction and straddle her and hold one foot, pull one foot out of the snowbank yeah. at a time. If not, like, I'm going to have to have somebody lay on her. We do a two-person operation. She's a lunatic. Well, I guess ours are a little bit easier. No, well, we used to do it with a full size, but they would, they were older, too. Like, they probably didn't have as much spunk. This one's spunky. Yeah. She, yeah, she walks with me, though. Like, they don't need to be leashed up. I'll let them out. And they think I'm like their dad. They just follow me around. Dude, goat, that's, like, the thing about goats. Like, they're like... I wouldn't be able to eat these, two. They're like your little homies. I couldn't. Like, mine just run up to the fence, like, meh, meh. are like, yo, dude. Yeah. They hang out with you, too, and they love my daughter. Funniest thing I ever saw in my life. We first bought them. Brought them home, and I was working on their barn, and my my daughter starts jumping up and down on the trampoline. Next thing I know, there's a goat jumping up and down on the trampoline. Did you see all the, the spools in my car? Yeah. Those are all for the goats. Are they really? That's awesome. They love being, I think it's because they're originally from the mountains, I guess. They yeah. love, like, they'll just be in a war to see who can get the highest. They, one of them almost knocked me off the picnic table one day. Like, I was standing next to it, and she's, like, trying to push me. Like, she just wanted to play. Yeah. Yeah. They're, they're great. They stand on anything. Literally. I didn't, they'll stand on like a food dish, they'll be up there like pushing each other off. They love it. Oh, it's so funny. Look at the rock faces that mountain goats, like real billies. Like Dude, those mountains. are crazy. I couldn't even One imagine One slip. That. You see the muscles on those things too? People don't take that for granted. They're like, oh, that's a tough animal. Oh, yeah. Look at animals that. are so much tougher than us. Haunches on that thing. If animals could just, no guns, and it was like, all right, it's animals for we're humans, we're done. <laughs> we're done. We're done, bro. Animals so are so strong. jacked. So like, strong. even just a little, like, my goats are uh, maybe 20 pounds? They're smaller than a dog. So like, like, the size of, like, the biggest cat you've ever seen. Oh, yeah, Nigerians, yeah. Yeah, they're Nigerian cute. dwarf, too. Oh, they're Nigerian dwarfs? Yeah. yeah. They're cute. They have super high fat content in their milk. That's why we got them. Yeah, they're yeah. just high, I think the highest butter fat. You get, a, like good, you get a good amount right. per day. Like, it's not a ton, it's not a butt. Even like a milk cow, dude, you gotta have you gotta have something to do with five gallons of milk every single day. What do you do that? Like every day. We have we have family friends who are like uh, pretty gangster homesteaders. Yeah. And she's like, I make cheese like twice a week, stuff like North that. North Country Creamery. Or? Well, that no, they're like they're legit. They're like a creamery, but just yeah. Sarah's Sarah's family friends out. Oh, okay. Boston uh, area. Yeah. That's what they have great cheese. They have artists. Oh my on point. Isn't it? No, have you had their Herdmaster? No, it's not Herdmaster. The one with Dill in it. Oh, yeah. Dude. Yeah, I tried that. Remember when they were doing it in Trinity Place for a while? The farmer's markets? Like, last summer? Yeah. I had it there. It was amazing. I hope they're there tomorrow now. If you ever need me, bro. <laughs> I drive by them all the time. Yeah. Oh, they're awesome. Yeah. I gotta have him on the podcast, actually. That'd be interesting. Yeah. Shout out to Steve. Steve, I'm so sorry. I forget your wife's name. I only met her once. But shout out to her, too. It's yeah. <laughs> awesome, man. I, lo- I love supporting the locals. Well, the money comes back, like, tenfold. Just drives our economy even farther. Like I never understood the whole, you know, I wasn't well educated in that aspect of you know buying local. I always liked it because it was you know just treating you know buying in your own community. But Amazon made it so you know they compete with everybody nowadays and it's two day shipping. But whenever I can, if I can get close, oh, it's so much easier. It's so much easier to be on your phone and whatever you want there, or for something you don't need, necessarily need, but you, you just want it, and it's like doesn't have to be there right then. Well, that's why I think the, 
I think there's going to be like a split where it's only going to be like super artisanal stuff yeah. and super local stuff and then just Amazon for everything. It probably is going to like be. Like Amazon, you can never, like you're never going to, I don't know, you can probably buy the best shoes in the world on Amazon, but it won't be the same as getting local stuff. I'll tell you, if I don't do it in like the next couple of years, I always said I'm going to, but I probably won't. What? I'd love to open a bakery. You know what I mean? But there's been so many bakeries in town, like, you know, Rombox. I think Chris Nuff used to own Rombox. Yeah. The guy that runs Polish Corner. And uh, not that kind of bakery, though. Like, there's, like, cakes and cookies and stuff. There's a lot of that around. You know, you got Delish. They do awesome cupcakes. Yeah. You had Batters Up for a while. They were doing good things, too. But bread. There's no local bread. Triple Green. Triple Jade, bro. Triple Jade. Well, they're they're West. They're good. They're Westport. Yeah, but there's nobody in Plattsburgh. Like, the next one's up in, uh, what's that other guy? goes around to all the farmers markets too. He's got good bread. I've had it. Um, oh, the triple P- jade is good, but the pizza guy—they do pizza. No, he's uh, he's up north, I think, up near like Rouse's Point or something. He does wicked good bread. And there's another place well, in Keysville. There's the bakery. There's a yeah, that's the triple jade farm. No, Keysville is fresh and fancy bakery. Fresh and fancy. Yeah, do they do breads and stuff too? Mm-hmm. Yeah, dude, their cheddar cheddar sourdough is it good, bro? That's what I mean. Like all these local like sandwich shops, like the Samet shop or 20 below we're out working we eat there a lot and they have good stuff but it's they okay. need some local it's okay, bread bro. to go I'm with a, it I'm a, bread, I'm a bit of a bread connoisseur yeah they, they tie it together with some awesome local bread though right dude they, we need like rock and bakery bread up here there's a bakery near me where it's like super industrial scale yeah. but it's like the best bread ever yeah you can go into the back room and like you can literally grab a bagel like hot <laughs> off the rack oh you can and like rolls off like it comes yeah. down a conveyor belt and you just like grab it yeah but it's not our tea, like, it's it's amazing, like, every deli, like, you're out of business if you don't have rock and bakery bread. But, like, good rolls, people up here like soft rolls. Yeah, hard roll. What's the, the hard roll? You know you pick the stuff out, and then you really dude, build people the People don't know. People don't know up here. Sarah likes That's soggy. That's Orange County. Sarah likes, down sa- south, yeah, right? dude, Sarah likes, like, soggy sandwiches. Like, this bread is disgusting. <laughs> like, I want... <laughs> what is on that? Yeah, stuff? like, I want, I want it to be crispy and then super soft inside. Yeah. Absolutely. Dude. Bread. Dude, I would love it to just see you and just go visit your bread shop and you in a sweet baker's hat. I know, how do I run a cleaning business in a bread shop? You got it. I don't know. You got only just be open. You can't be open all the time. I think that's the key for. I'd be a silent partner in a bakery maybe one day. Nah. No. You got to bake it, bro. You got the passion for it. How hard is it to make a make bread? It takes hours. It's, it's but how hard? It's mostly hands off, right? Yeah. But, I mean, I mix it myself and everything. I don't use, like, an auto, like a KitchenAid. I don't do any of that. I mix it by hand. And uh, it's super satisfying, like, when you, you do it. It comes together the way you want it to. I just had a fresh baguette. Carmen from Rotary gave me one. So I sold her some eggs. She's like, you want to try my fresh bread? I'm like, you have no idea she how bad it? I want to do it. It was good. She knows about the crust. And it's supposed to be soft. Yeah. People up here don't know. They want their bread to be soft all the way through. You guys are fucking heathens. <laughs> What is wrong with you? I bread? know. Yeah. Dude, that's my that's number weird. one because I'm a I'm a big sandwich guy, bud. Yeah. <laughs> like, I love oh, yeah. some sandwiches. And you know what? Sourdough is so much better for you. Like that's what started me on it too. Is it's like already partially broken down and your body digests it. So I know I should stop eating bread though. Well, Stay. I bet you real bread like you get like King Arthur flour and all that good stuff. I I go all the way. So like I'm all about local, right? So Champlain Valley Milling. So I do this other thing that I I, I don't even know if anybody else would be interested in it, but it's I think it's a Navajo bread. But it's, I, I fill it with, like, meat. So I cook venison. I cook them with apples and onions. And, you know, maybe some mushroom. I cook it all together. And then, essentially, I make a stromboli out of, like, the oldest bread possible. You ever heard of bannock before? Nope. Bannock. It's, it's 
flour, water, yeast, and salt. Okay, so I mean it's, it's old school Simple bread. Simple stuff. Yeah, it's baking powder is what they use to leaven the bread. And then, you know, you put it together and roll it out, fill the pocket, fold it up, pop it in the pizza oven. It's, less of, it's essentially a Latin papusa or a hand pie, if you will. Empanada? Or hand Empanada, pie? okay. Yeah, yeah, same, same mm-hmm. idea. And it's super good, but I like messing around with it, but that's all Champlain Valley um, milling. Mm-hmm. You know, I use their cornmeal. Do you know how often they're open? I don't even know if you can go there. I talked to the girl on the phone, and she told me to go to, like, Nori's. So I, I ordered a 50-pound bag, or 25-pound bag for Nori's. What's Nori's? Nori's is, like, our uh, North Country Co-op. You can get it there, too. But I was just, I was working at Sarnath Lake, and I was knew I was going to be there. I actually cleaned the windows at the uh, co-op for free charge, just because I'm a member there. Nice. And, I mean, I love going to that place. They do awesome. They'll order the same thing for you. But I do get my milk from Nori's. Because we have a contract in Saranac Lake, and you can go in there and get the glass burned dairy bottles, like fresh. Yeah. Um, it's pasteurized, though, right? Yeah. Dude, at the creamer, you can get unpasteurized. Can you really? Bro. It's good? Dude. <laughs> it's good. Bro. <laughs> Dude. I, I haven't tried it. Dude, like, there's like, if it's a quart jar, and there's like that much cream on it. Like, you can make cheese and stuff if you want with it. Really? It's amazing. I never tried it. I should. Dude. I'd probably like it. You get so jacked. That's my key for getting fat. Is it? Farmer Ground is good too. What's that? They're at a. They're all all over the. I think the state. I want to say southern state though. It's all flour. Cornmeal. I get their rye flour. That's how I kind of eat. I kind of do like this whole, blend in New Nordic Mediterranean kind of. Ideologies. I incorporate everything we have local, but. Yeah. I like their philosophies. It's. I don't get too serious about it. I want to get back to just paleo. Just. You've eaten that way before. Yeah. For You've a done long cattle time. too, right? Keto. I don't know. Keto, yeah. I don't know if I could do that. Yeah. It's, it's going to be. Dude, everything's easy. Everything's easy if you stick to it. I like carbs. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? Well, just healthy carbs. Like, even paleo, just eating, like, not eating junk. Just eating healthy. Like, you should pretty much eat a salad, like, three times a day with a little piece of meat with it. And that's it. Right. Little eggs for breakfast. Salad for lunch. jacked doing that. Dude. So jacked. Now I'm so fat. Looking back at the glory days. Didn't somebody say that you did, like, a UFC thing? Bro. Did you? Dude, don't even get me into how, how jacked I used to be. Did you do the UFC, though? No, I never did an MMA fight, but I competed in jiu-jitsu tournaments. Oh, you did? And I trained MMA, but I never did an MMA fight. Okay, so you used to, like, competitively yeah. do jiu-jitsu, though. Yeah. That's hard. You know, I've, I've like, I've meddled at Naga tournaments, stuff like that. Like, I was decently serious. Okay. I was, like, the the top, I, I describe it as, like, a top-level beginner. Okay. Like, I never really got to the, like, I would get close to getting a blue belt and get hurt. So take a while off, or I get hurt and go to school for a little while and stuff like that. But I was pretty into it for a few years. That's pretty cool. That's super strenuous stuff. Oh, it was fun, dude. I felt great. I liked boxing the most. Boxing was you like know the what I workout. really didn't like was I was a football player. Never did like hockey, and I was never like into wrestling growing up. And when I did work at the prison, there was guys that knew how to like wrestle, and that was so valuable to be able to get somebody in hand restraints. That like because you don't just. There's no reason to just haul off and start elbowing somebody in the face in a situation like that. It's going to escalate. Yeah, it's just going to escalate the situation, and you're not cleared to do it via use of force module. So having those wrestling skills, and I would use pressure points because that's what I knew, but wrestling skills were really beneficial in that environment. I think jujitsu would be the best. Like I think almost all law enforcement you're officers in, should get a blue room smaller than this, wrestling around, and everything in the room is hard. The table's bolted to the floor. Walls are concrete. You're going to bounce off of stuff, but 
you can gain control of somebody if you have those techniques. Well, that's jujitsu's whole thing. It's the hard overcoming this, or the soft overcoming the hard. It's like you would let somebody come into you and use their force against them and get them off balance or... Yep. It's so interesting. It is wicked interesting. And like, the only thing I ever learned is like, you know, setting the hooks and pulling them in. Yeah. <laughs> I get the basics, but that's about it. Yeah, just hold them down. That's pretty much what it is. Just squeeze. Big bear hooks. Do you have like a favorite failure that you feel like set you up for later success? I failed a lot. What's your favorite one? Favorite failure that set the emphasis. I've had a lot of life lessons, and I think they were all from failures. I learned better that way, I think, at times. That's something we learned. I think so. I know so. I'm trying to think. Failure. Failure in business or failure in life altogether? Failure, bud. Just got any review of the questions? I would say. Probably, uh, try to see here. I probably, you know, one time on the golf course, you know, I used to do this thing all the time. And, uh, my grandfather used to tell me, you know, keep your feet planted. Keep your feet planted, right? Well, I went down, you know, and learned how to swing a golf club with him. And then I would come home and I would play baseball for my father. And then, you know, I would not pick my feet up at the baseball game in the evening. And then I would go back and do that. And then, you know, too many times, you know, just listening to people and just not doing, like, what I felt was right, you know. You know, I guess that's the same, like, it's the same life lesson. Like, you know, Dad in the evening would be telling me, hey, you know, pick your feet up, you know, pick your foot out of the box, you know, hit the ball. My grandfather, you know, keep your feet together. Don't move your feet at all. Follow through the ball, you know. And then I guess not listening to the people around you in life feels like, I don't know. Try to, try to put, like, an explanation to it. My grandfather always taught me, you know, if you follow exactly what I tell you, you know, you should be good. But there's, I guess what I've learned is there's no, there's no exact right and wrong, and, you know. There's not an exact path. you got to take the not, lesson and then apply not. it to whatever the current situation is. Exactly, exactly. But I guess one of my failures, I guess, would be, I think I felt pretty hard when we first started out in business when I was just like, oh, we're going to do this, and we went out and we tried to sell ourselves too too short you know we would work for almost no money at all and we weren't getting anywhere we're just staying afloat staying afloat and then we were like okay we're certified cleaners not just regular cleaners we've gone the extra mile you know you have to put a premium that's equal to your skill set mm -hmm. and then you just continue to drive your company that way and I think that's what we've done yeah, you got to figure out what your time is worth and how much you have into it and all the equipment and stuff. Cause Back to that, like, the whole, like, sports thing. Growing up, I don't know. I think sports, there's a lot of failures in sports. Like, there's always going to be somebody better than you, you know, no matter what you do. And it's like, when you fail in sports, it, it conditions you for the failures you're to come as you get older. Mm -hmm. you know? Like you're saying, like, you, you got to, like, that, that level where you're like, hey, I'm a really experienced beginner in the field, like, I felt like at one time I was really good at baseball and I was okay at golf. And then you start adding something else and it would continuously make me, you know, fail. Yeah, you jump it's up, like you you jump up a thing. league or something and then you're like, oh, yeah, I actually suck. Yeah, I'm, I'm terrible at this. You know, it was like, you know, a lot, I think sports help, you know. But, uh, you know, every day I fail. Still, small failures, big failures, mostly small now if you try to 
try to mitigate those as much as possible, but I'm sure, like, we all fail at times in life. Yeah. But if you don't fail, you're never going to learn anything. If you don't fail, you're not trying. Right. I mean, what, they, what does that say? If those who never fail never never achieve anything great or something like that? Yeah, I'll hit, I'll hit you with that. If you could have a gigantic billboard anywhere with anything on it, what would it say? Let's see if I can quote this word for word, but I'm probably not going to. It's a C.S. Lewis quote. It's, um... Get a little close to that mic. Let us hit it. Integrity. Yeah, the definition of integrity from C.S. Lewis is uh, doing it right when nobody's watching. That's mm-hmm. what he said. And I, I think that, that hits at home because, yeah, you know, you can have a boss in life and they can teach you to do something this way. But as soon as he walks out the room, do you do it that way is a question. You know, this is a lot about somebody's character. It's like the Abraham Lincoln quote. Another one, you know, a lot of men can stand, what is it, adversity. Give him power and see what he'll do. You know, yeah, you can stand tall in adversity, but sort of see how you stand in power, or something like that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's the same. You know, it, it goes down that same line. If it's, it's it's all integrity, I think. You know, if, it's, if you have integrity to do it right when nobody's looking over your shoulder, then I think the world would be a better place. I know it would. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, the thing is, is like, how many people would take the shortcut when they give the opportunity? It's tough out there. Politicians. Yeah, right? You know, like, I mean, political affiliations aside, if everybody thought that way, they might come together on common ground sometimes. Yeah. It seems like, you know, when stuff gets close, like the government shutdowns are stressful for me to see because I went through a couple of them, and, you know, I still see friends that are still working for the federal government. They're not getting paid for long periods of time, and it's just like, take down the, you know, Republican, Democrat, liberal, yeah. take it all down, and just get it done for these guys to get them paid. Like, you're talking entire branches of the service not getting compensated, like Coast Guard. Yeah. That's terrible. They don't get paid a lot anyway. And then, you know, just do the right thing. Do unto others as you want done to you. It's simple. And That's what I would do. When you feel, like, overwhelmed or have lost your focus, what do you do to regain it? I'd say sometimes I just go for a walk, you know, just clear the head, do some exercise. Sometimes that helps. But I mean, if I'm in like the middle of a work day, I'll pop on my headphones and listen to some music for a little bit. Um, or, you know, do some physical exertion, you know, work out, go for a walk. Mm-hmm. Like, it's usually what I try to do is clear my head. I go out and shoot my bow. Nice. Simple. You know, rest the kind of the target, follow through. That was the other thing. I think, you know, conditioning you for failure is golf. Oh, yeah. Golf. I mean, you would be a good archer because you play golf. I suck at golf, though. I'm, like, the worst golfer. It doesn't matter. Same principle, though. So, like, you know how, like, if you move your thumb a little bit on your grip, everything changes. Yeah. You know, if you pull harder with your left do you arm use your right a, Do you use your fingers or do you use a trigger release? I actually use a really unique release. So, um, guys use, a lot of guys use that thumb release and trigger release. I use one that I hold in my entire hand. Also has a wrist strap, and then I use I use my trigger release, but it's it's got a lot going on there. A lot yeah. of guys don't like it. A little too complicated. A lot of people don't like it, but you know what it does is it incorporates all your forearm muscles, which makes it feel like I can stay back there a really long time in hunting situations. Why? I like it, but no, yeah, I think you'd be good at it because everything that moves, if you move your hand from here, you know, to here, 
Yeah, shot, everything's going to change. And it's the same thing like golf. If you swing different, it's in the woods or... <laughs> Mostly in the woods. <laughs> if I swing different, it goes straight. <laughs> My regular swing is in the woods. Putting was always the hardest thing for me. I'm a decent putter. I don't mind putting. I was great off like the fairway or... You know what I mean? Nah, you got it out, man. It's tough. Golf. Golf, I feel like, is a very good mental game because of how frustrating it is. And it, you have to just forget your shot. My worst thing about golf is I'm very good at, like, I'll, I'll do, like, three chunks in a row and then hit yeah. a decent shot. Yeah. Like, I'm so bad at remembering my strokes because I try and just forget about my shot immediately after I do it. Even if it's a great one, like, just, like, all right, now. Start fresh. Yeah, and even, like, with golf, like, yesterday we had an awesome drive. We should have we should have eagled the hole because it was a scramble, so everyone got okay. a chance. And then like it was just a chip and a putt in, and then like we all had horrible chips, and then we all had horrible putts. So it's like so good to sort of reset. Um, like it's a physical game. It's not super physical, but you know you get you get decently tired after you play eighteen, and there's and then it's the physical mental connection because you have to keep that swing nice and easy and get it done hole after hole. And then bring yourself back for every putt and like take your time with everything, sort of slow down a little. Yeah. Have you ever had the opportunity to go to Lynx up here when it was here? Is it gone? Yeah, it used no, to be. Then I'll never go. Down near, <laughs> down near the sheriff's department. It was kind of a cool thing. We used to do it in like school up here. I think. Is it indoor? Golf? It was indoor. It was indoor as like that virtual golf with the screens. Mm-hmm. And you hit the ball, it matched your club head speed. They'd watch your swing and they'd critique your mm-hmm. swing in there on them. It was cool. It's a cool thing. I had a good golf coach. Um, I made a varsity golf team when I was relatively young. I didn't make it to where like you get like the free membership. But I mean, like, I was in eighth grade, so it was okay. I still made the team. You know, it was a big deal because we only had a varsity golf team. That's all we had. There's only like twelve slots, fourteen slots, something like that. You probably did. I bet you're a fucking stud golfer. I wasn't that good. I was okay. But I mean, I spent a lot of time on the golf course. My grandfather, when he retired, worked at the barracks. Yeah, so you could just golf all day there. Yeah, I'd golf, and then the next day we'd work at the golf course, so I was always at the golf course. Nice. Yeah, he would work there, and I would help fill up golf carts or wash the carts. Yeah, all the extra stuff. Yeah, it was just cool. And I learned how to you know, go rake the sand traps. and I learned a lot about the sport because of how much time I spent there. Yeah. But, yeah, it was a really cool spot, though, that links. If you ever get a chance to go to one, you should. Is there an indoor one and up on... Military Turnpike or 11 heading to Canton. I think like Highlands is inside, right? Yeah, I think that is inside. Yeah. I think it I is. I think they have a golf course and then also an inside course. Yeah, it's wicked cool when you see that like, your swing on that screen. Such an education huh. tool. It was weird. It, like shows you like your swing angle. I gotta get a video of my swing. I don't even know what it looks like. You know what I used to do? I used to wind up and almost screw myself in the ground because my backswing was so hard. So I never had that calm backswing. And yeah. I probably, I haven't touched a set of golf clubs. To be totally honest, probably six years. You still got it. I don't know. I'm going to dig them out. We'll go. I'm gonna go. This weekend I go to a wedding. Next weekend, we'll go dig them out. I'll dig them out on Thursday and go to the... Yeah. I'll hit the range with you. See what we can do. Oh, it might be rugged. It's better than wasting <laughs> our money on the golf course. If it's true. Rugged. true. Do, you walk, do you walk or do you ride? No. I'm so lazy. I ride. You're, you're a walker, I'm going to guess? No. I, I like to cart because I like to get out of the sun. Sometimes it starts blasting you. Yeah. But I walk, though. Like, if somebody else has the cart, I'll walk. Yeah, I walk in between shots. I'll walk like, a lot in between shots. I mean, uh, I'm sure when I'm a better golfer, it won't be bad to walk because, like, 
Yeah. You'll just like, it won't be like looking in the woods line, like, where did this go in? You just walked your ball in the middle, walked your ball in the middle. Yeah. But I learned at the time between the strokes, sometimes it helped me because I'm that guy that if I start golfing really bad, I'll beat myself up and it gives us, it goes really bad. Yeah. Fast. (laughs) So if I have the opportunity to walk, like if you start seeing me like hitting bad shots, like I'll probably walk and let somebody else take the cart down the cart path and I'll just slowly get there. Yeah. Because I need that time to clear my head. Yeah, reset. Yep. You got any uh, got any closing wisdom for our Craig Cast listeners? Anything you want to impart on them? I don't know, man. I mean, read good books. It's the, you know. Give me some good book recommendations. You have those two. Yeah, these two here. So my wife used to work for uh, Dr. William Calvin at uh, High Peaks Dental, and uh, Dr. Michael O'Connor and uh, Dr. Calvin published uh, co-published. Two books, um, Out Front, which is a really good one, and then Breaking Through. And there's, you know, a lot of other, you know, business professionals that also have chapters in there. You know, great information. They're great resources to me. Not to mention just watching him, how he ran his business. You know, I think that was big. Like, I didn't work for him directly, but uh, he was had this really big family environment with High Peaks crew, you know. And, uh, you know, just seeing how he treated his staff and... You know, he's a good business owner. You know, it takes a lot to put it all together. Oh, yeah. To get to the size that they are, you know, in an area like we are, it takes a lot. But he has, you know, military background. And Dude, the military, I feel like, has such a good baseline for running good business. Oh, yeah. absolutely. Because, like, I feel like the military, like, I don't know, I wasn't in the military, I was never in, but just um, listen to, like, I listen to a lot of military podcasts now, like, I listen to Jocko podcasts a lot, yep. and how, like, the military, like, all right, you got to... First, you got to learn to wake up early and be on time and make sure your uniform's nice and, like, the, the building blocks. Because we can do the simple stuff. Like, it's even, like, if you're a construction guy, yeah. like, you know, your first job is grabbing coffees for everyone. All right, once you once you get all the coffee orders right, then you can go to the store and, like, get that <laughs> order right. And you keep uh, – a lot of people don't like the building block mentality anymore, but I feel like that's so important. It is. And my dad, um, Dr. Calvin, was an officer. He re- I believe he retired full colonel. But um, my father was enlisted. But, I mean, I think that they both, you know, filled their respective role in the service. And, uh, you know, Dad instilled a lot of that into, into me as a kid. Because mm-hmm. he had to, you know, he went in young, 17, 18. He was in. And uh, he passed it on to me. But then, you know, I think, it, like you said, the values are there. Mm-hmm. The values are important. They're important building blocks. You know, without the uh, support network that I currently have, you know, with both my parents and Katie being on board with the business and, Without that support network, I don't think you could do it. No, it'd be tough. Yeah. I mean, that support network is huge. I mean, it's, you have to have that. Yeah. I mean, I'd shake anybody's hand that doesn't have a support network and they're out there doing the business alone. Like, that's that's rugged, too. Yeah. But yeah, I think for sure, just, you know, get out there and get in the community. and. Yeah, and shake involved. hands, kiss babies. Kiss babies, yeah. <laughs> Why, Why not? not kiss a baby? I don't think I've kissed a baby yet. No. Maybe somebody will bring me a baby. Matt Craig, you just find you hold babies? home where you're more... I'll definitely hold babies. Yeah? I mean, I don't. I don't know the last You have some guys are, like, weird about, like, holding kids, though. You know what I mean? Well, I guess because if you don't grow up... Like, I never grew up with any little kids around me. Like, my, my cousins, nobody, like, had babies when I was little. Yeah. I guess my cousins were a little... But I was pretty little when they were yeah, relatively little, so, like, they weren't like, yeah, Matt, hold the baby. I didn't... I wasn't, like, comfortable with kids until after I got older. Yeah. A little bit older. Yeah. 
when you have one, that all goes out the window. Yeah, and you get used to it. Yeah, yeah you don't have a choice. <laughs> all right, give us a the closing, buddy. Give us the business highlight. Who's your ideal customer? Give us a rundown where we can reach you, how we can get you for business purposes. I like to say we don't have a target market. I think it's just, you know, depends on people's priorities, depends on, you know, residential and commercial. Um, you know, we offer a lot of services, whether it be, you know, just doing a simple every other week house cleaning, you know, real estate clean outs, you know, regular commercial property cleanings every night of the week. Um, you know, we're out there to provide a solution for, you know, people's problems more or less. You know, I mean, a lot of people don't hire out. You know, like for a janitor anymore, a lot of it's, you know, building service contractors mm -hmm. like us, or you want trained staff too, that's a thing. We can return the value. We're at the forefront of innovation in the cleaning industry, using the best possible chemicals and products, you know, trying to save the client money mm -hmm. at the same time providing a very high level of service. So, what's the website, Facebook, Instagram? Give us all that. So, website's still under updates. That's going to be www.sparklecleaning.com dot com with the hyphens. Um, there's no hyphens in our Facebook or our Instagram. It's just Sparkle Clean. S P A R K I L K L E E N. Sparkle Clean for all your cleaning needs, residential and commercial. I love it. Thank you. I like the watermark on the back. That is pretty cool. That was Katie's idea. <laughs> she knows. Yeah, that's a, you mean the boss's idea? Yeah. <laughs> Thank you so much to our sponsors. Thank you to New Roast. Thank you to No Tax. Thank you to Rondak. Thank you to all our listeners. And I hope you all have a wonderful night. And I will see you next week with another exciting guest.